<laughs> Jeez. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Thursday, March 8th, 2012. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 389er. This is No Agenda. Practicing my duck and cover for solar mayhem here at Camp Mofo in the capital of the Drone Star State, Austin, Tejas. In the morning, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. And with nothing clever to say from northern Silicon Valley, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Craig Lawton Buzzkill. In the morning. Oh, how disappointing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the one, that's like the last thing I do before the show. It's like, you know. You write something clever. Well, clever. I don't know if it's so clever. Well, there you have it. <laughs> it's better than I have nothing clever to say. That's clever. Yeah. Yeah, except I've heard it uh, many times in the no, opening. No, no, no. I've never said that ever. You can't find one documented case where I've ever said that. Oh, you know, if there wasn't so much good stuff on C-SPAN, I'd prove you wrong. And I'd go you, and find you, it. You, yeah. It's only right. 348, uh, 388 episodes I'd have to listen to, but I'd find it. Just the beginnings. <laughs> it's in there somewhere. It's not. Mm-hmm. So it's International Women's Day. Yes. Happy International Women's Day, everybody. And... Uh, just before the show, we decided that uh, we needed a men's day. There is one. There's an International Men's Day. Yep. It's on the 19th of November. That's right. Also known as IBJ Day. I don't believe that's the case. <laughs> I don't want a rose. Anyway, I'm uh, tired. I was, I, was up, I was up late last night. Had to pick up. Uh, this is kind of cool. I picked up. Uh, we picked up Miss Molly Wood from the airport. Yeah? Yeah, she slept. Oh, she's at the S by SWW? Yeah, she slept in the house here. Huh. Yeah. It's, now the place is rocking. Yeah, you should start to do a party there for the ship, for the event. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, got, I got my own party. I don't need any, no, I don't need any onlookers. Yeah. Got the hot tub all, all ramped up. Got Miss Mickey, Miss Molly. Now, is life good or what? As long as she doesn't come uh, back to the house with anecdotes from the event. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny. We were So the flight was delayed by two hours. So we're the, at, uh, at Bergstrom International, it's like uh, 1130. And you can just see the San Francisco flight arrived for South by Southwest. Oh, no, my, I can't oh, oh, my goodness. Everyone has their douchebag uniform on. Hey, I'm so hip. I'm here for South by never been you know what i mean right you know exactly yeah. what i mean <laughs> yeah you go to these things and you go to the airport or even when you go on one of the flights you look around you go oh or if you're just coincidentally flying somewhere and you look around and you go oh there's a bunch of these tech guys here <laughs> a bunch. Have a certain they're like a je ne sais quoi yeah oh yeah there's a lot of je ne sais quoi going on yeah so it's going to be interesting anyway in the morning to you jean-claude Dvorak. In the morning to you, Sir Adam Curry, the ships at sea. Hello. And boots on the ground. Hi. And feet's in the air. How you doing? How you doing? And, of course, uh, our human resources who dutifully have checked in once again for our live broadcast of this program, uh, which occurs every Thursday and Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard, Gitmo Nation West Time, uh, noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. Uh, good to see everybody on board uh, there to correct us when we fall off the wagon and to yell out stupid things like, you should get a Mollywood slept here sign in your bedroom. So, <laughs> <laughs> like Abraham Lincoln slept here. <laughs> Mollywood slept here in 2012. 
Mm. So I have to say, I'm very proud of our uh, no agenda listeners, John. What very do they do for you. Very very proud. Well, um, I think we have made a significant difference in some people's lives, and that significant difference is they are noticing the bull crap when it comes out. They smell the stink before they even have to listen to us on the show talk about it. And in this case, I'm referring to the Coney 2012 video, <laughs> which has gone viral. Coney phony. Co- the phony Coney. Ooh, good. Write it down. The phony Coney. Um, this is a Even Chris Perillo, I, when I went to tweet that we're on the air. Yeah. I, I do, Perillo's on my stream of thing, and he, and he said he had some complaint about it. Mm-hmm. And when Chris is complaining about something, that's pretty unusual. I don't know if Chris listens to the show, though. I don't think so. I'm sure he does not. No. Well, but he's not. He's a smart guy. Uh, well, but I got so not. I need to just get emails from people. You got the, the typical like, "Hey, man, this doesn't smell right." So we got a lot of those. Appreciate it. Um, and this thirty-two is, million views, though. Yeah, yeah it's, crappy video. It's outrageous. This is a thirty-minute video about Joseph Coney, and um, a lot of people actually did some significant research as well, which was uh, which was quite nice to see. I would like to take you back, though, to No Agenda episode 348 of October last year. So there was one other piece of news which uh, which kind of slipped in, and I saw all kinds of propaganda about it, and um, I happened to know a little bit about the topic, and I thought <clears throat> my research, because, of course, whenever you have something as big as Occupy Wall Street and the Occupy movement, hey, remember that, man? Remember that Occupy thing we used to talk about? <laughs> movement. There's all kinds of things happening. Legislation takes place. Executive orders are carried out. Uh, boots are sent to the ground. Breaking news tonight. The United States is now involved in seven conflicts. President Obama says he's dispatching roughly 100 of our troops to Uganda to battle one of Central Africa's most brutal rebel groups, the Lord's Resistance Army, brutal. which has been operating for 20 years in Uganda. The White House says the first American troops arrived in Uganda Wednesday, but ultimately they will also deploy to South Sudan, the Central African Republic, and the Democratic Republic of Congo as advisors, says the White House. (laughs) The Lord's Resistance Army began its attacks in Uganda more than two decades ago. It's recently been pushing a westward human rights group. So you remember uh, we talked about this, right? Yeah, we didn't uh, obviously go into it well, in much no, we, detail. We did actually we didn't need to it. If, and if you look at there's a, a whole there's a all you have to do is type in this Coney 2012 and then the word scam. <laughs> well, we went we did go into it because at the time uh, Clinton Bill had been uh, down in Uganda. Remember with his uh, Clinton Global Initiative, he's been there for a long time actually, uh, and he had a lot of involvement in Uganda in 1990. But at the time, just before this happened, you will recall that um, there was a huge oil strike in Uganda. As in, not in like people right, laying down arms that. and not working, but there was a, a big, uh, a big find oil. of oil. So uh, this video uh, comes out at a very opportune moment where um, I uh, read you from the news of February the 17th through the 20th, uh, Tulo Oil say they have found uh, another $1 billion find of oil. And along with Tulo Oil, it's... Uh, remember those... Uh, uh, the guys we listened to the um, the quarterly report, the conference call, uh, Aranaconda, I think it is. Those guys that... Uh, yeah, Texas yeah. Oil Company. So uh, they're down there as well. So, of course, 
when you have um, uh, more oil being discovered, we have to ramp it up a little bit. So I actually watched this video, and, um, well, I'm sure you didn't. The Coney 2012? Yeah, you didn't watch it, did you? I watched the beginning and yeah. the end, but this <laughs> video is actually, well, go on and out. Well, There's a okay. history to this video. Yes. So I pulled three short clips from the video because, of course, I watched the entire thing. Uh, let's uh, listen to the mission first. Because now we know what to do. Here it is. Ready? Ready. In order for Kony to be arrested this year, the Ugandan military has to find him. In order to find him, they need the technology and training to track him in the vast jungle. That's where the American advisors come in. But in order for the American advisors to be there... Note, advisors is a military. Uh, this is what we're calling the, uh, the troops we've yeah, sent that's in. Yeah, so we call them. Yeah. That's their shooting. The U.S. Their, government... Yeah, that's their, that's their job. Advisor. They have a big patch. U.S. military advisor. Has to deploy them. They've done that. But if the government doesn't believe the people care about arresting Kony, the mission will be canceled. Cancel! In order Cancel. for the people to care, they have to know. And they will only know... If Coney's name is everywhere, so let me just say a few things, and I and then I, I want to hear your take on this. So um, Coney has not actually been active since 2006 when he. Uh, this is the uh, Lord's, uh, the LRA, resistance, yeah. Lord's Resistance Army, when he kind of went into hiding in Sudan and the Congo, uh, and uh, you know, according to all reports, governmental certainly, uh, he only has about uh, 200 uh, so-called troops. But as we discussed in the previous, and I actually have the clip, so you can go in the show notes, 389er.nashownotes.com. You can listen to our previous discussion about it. We don't have to reopen the entire thing. Um, the, um, uh, the atrocities that have been going on in Uganda have been probably even uh, worse because of President Museveni. And Clinton is a big supporter of this guy, and he has effectively taken the Acholi uh, tribe, the people of uh, the Acholi peoples, about two million of them, and has thrown them into um, uh, a displaced persons encampment, uh, which you could also just call Auschwitz. And uh, there's some videos and other stuff in the show notes. So you can see what's really going on there. Um, and uh, Kony is effectively being accused of what uh, Museveni himself has been doing. And uh, there is no logical reason to have this huge media hype campaign to go and get Coney other than to um, create another sort of Al-Qaeda genocide, massacre, slaughter in Africa so we can establish uh, a long wish of the United States, which is AFRICOM, the African Command, which uh, we not have not yet found a home for in Africa. And, of course, when you have AFRICOM in there, then it's very handy to use that to protect the oil interests of the West, uh, which have heavy involvement from Bill Clinton. The real tip-off in this video, of course, whenever you need to sell something to the public, who do you call? George Clooney. I want, uh, I'd like uh, indicted war criminals to enjoy the same level of celebrity as me. That seems fair. That's our objective, is to just shine a light on it. If our goal is to get Coney's name known, the known should join us. We are targeting 20 of the most diverse and influential culture makers to speak out about Coney and make him famous. <laughs> so Clooney's in there, but not just Clooney, John. Not just Clooney. When, when they, wherever there's Clooney, who is following close behind? 
Well, uh, if you go to Coney2012.com, you have the, 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 uh, you have the uh, who's who of this bull crap. Well, before you go into the celebrities, who is Clooney's handler? Oh, yeah, that guy. Prendergrass. We thought yeah, that if the government... I think, by the way, I think he's one of the board members or something. Yeah, of, the, of course, uh, of course. Invisible children group. Here he is. We thought that if the government knew, they would do something to stop him. But everyone in Washington we talked to said, there is no way the United States will ever get involved in a conflict where our national security or financial interests aren't at stake. No administration, Republican, Democrat, Obama, Bush, Clinton, doesn't matter, uh -huh. would do enough because it's simply not an important enough issue on the radar screen of American foreign policy. So this is a video, and particularly the way the uh, director of the, uh, the film, his name is Jason Russell, the way he abused his own child to propagate this lie is, uh, I think... Uh, 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 Goebbels would be pleased, would be just smiling from ear to ear how, how beautifully done this campaign is. And it is produced by the Invisible Children's uh, Charity. Yeah. Well, and, let's make something clear to people out there. We had a note from a filmmaker saying, gee, I can't believe this guy and his kid this movie, did this movie. There's got to be more. This movie was actually done in 2004. Uh, it was an hour long, and uh, it was uh, finally released in 2006 and got no anything, got no notice. And it was recut to this short version. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it was actually directed by Russell, ba a guy named Bobby Bailey, and Lauren Poole, uh, uh, another woman, or a guy, another guy, I guess. I don't know. No, it's a woman. And, it, it, this is not a short... I mean, this is not something that was done, just done cranked out overnight, and I, I'm not even sure... What the situation with this kid? If, that, if it, I didn't see the original film, but it was—I uh, think that was added to it. Uh, th that was maybe all new. not. I mean, it could be the kid's forty by now, for all we know. But uh, <laughs> the kid's a little bit much. I mean, he should be in the in the show Glee. It seems to me more than uh, he's a handsome kid. I'll give you that. This, he's a handsome this, kid. Feel, yeah, handsome. So I looked Lord. into the. Uh, of course, uh, you know me. I love to read some legal documents. So I looked at Invisible Kids, uh, the Invisible Children, uh, the charity, their 990 form. So they did a nice $10 million in revenue uh, this <laughs> $10 year. $10 million from all the suckers. Well, the suckers uh, are Humanity United Foundation. And if you go to Humanity United Foundation to their website, that's where you see where all the big money is from. By the way, their donation um, in this past year, $333,000. Hello, magic numbers everywhere. But also the Oprah Winfrey Foundation, she got suckered. She really got suckered. She put in $2 million. Um, but as you go through it, you see Jeez. that the movie itself received $850,000 to produce the movie. And that was uh, paid to the Invisible Children Feature Film LLC. So that's a commercial venture. This is how it always works. You know, you've got to have a front and... And then, of course, the production is actually done outside of uh, uh, of the charity. And uh, the guy who heads that up is Jedediah Jenkins, uh, who is also a director 
uh, uh, the director of idea development. <laughs> I, need, I need that on my business card for invisible children. I like so, that. So not even a conflict of interest since it's not uh, mentioned specifically. They mentioned the guy who's on the board who sells the printer and toner cartridges, but not that Jedediah Jenkins um, actually produced the film. He is, uh, of course, uh, Kristen Bell's boyfriend. So we've got the whole Hollywood right, connection. Right, and if you look on the, uh, the, uh, the, the, you see the board of advisors, the board of directors, Kristen Bell's actually listed. Of course, she's stupid. If you the take a look at the PDF of <laughs> their uh, annual yeah, report. screwing the guy. And, uh, and so, of course, what made this go viral is that they have convinced uh, uh, celebrities of the ilk of Rihanna and P. Diddy uh, to tweet out about this uh, fantastic video. And uh, let me just say, uh, as a show business executive, you should be ashamed uh, that you are actually putting your African brothers and sisters in such harm's way by by propagating such lies. And uh, you are evil hereby. I renounce P. Diddy. (laughs) I renounce. (laughs) And Rihanna. I renounce Rihanna. They are hereby evil or just stupid or probably a combination of the two. And curiously, P. Diddy wasn't given the uh, 20. They, I mean, this had they, 2012 also refers to 20 celebrities and 12 politicians. He was not in there. He's not in there. I know, because he's already on board, you see. So they, are, they already got him. But uh, uh, there's a, I have one, two, three, at least 20 different links. Uh, and by the way, if you look at the website for Invisible Children, you see the, the, the filmmaker and the board of directors in the banner header. Go, scroll up to the top, John, of the website. Uh, yeah, hold on. They're standing there with automatic rifles looking all like, hey, we're cool. Ugh. We're fighting for peace with weapons. I don't know exactly what, the, what they're trying to say with that, but that's creepy. Creepy that you're, you're pretending to save children, the invisible children who are being stolen and maimed and raped and turned into soldiers, which, by the way, has been going on uh, on the Museveni uh, Ugandans, uh, the Ugandan government side, more than anywhere else. It's cultural almost. But uh, you watch now as uh, AFRICOM starts to ramp up. We will see AFRICOM uh, being firmly uh, planted right there in northern Uganda, southern Sudan, the Congo, uh, and you will see encampments popping up all around the Tullo oil uh, fields and the lake there. Was it Lake George, I think it is? Lake Charles? Lake Charles, I think. I think it's funny they use the Amazon cloud for all their stuff. Yeah. Without being able to mask the URL, how hard is that? Yeah, I know they can't even get. Yeah, I know. Is the, the URL pops up as invisiblechildren.com.s3, dot s three, which is the Amazon yeah, system. The S three cloud dash yeah. website. Dot, I mean, that's like that's lame. Like, like hello, <laughs> it's really bad. Webby one hundred and one. You can do better than that. I know. I know. Um, but yeah, so I'm very proud of our no agenda listeners who uh, immediately went. This doesn't feel right. This has got to be wrong. And you're right. And this Coney guy, all of a sudden, so important we find him. He has not been on the scene since 2006, six years ago. Six years ago. But now it's important. You watch it ramp up. The last time we had this, we had our, um, our uh, what was it, our experts, our uh, advisors. Tech experts, too. Yeah, our tech experts go in, and uh, this, is, this will be the start of AFRICOM. And That's that- a possibility. I like the idea that they would put it in uh, Uganda. Oh, it's a perfect place. And, and yeah. Bill, Bill Clinton greased the wheels, man. He greased the wheels. And he's an advisor to Tulo. He's an advisor to the Texas oil companies. So it makes nothing but sense. So let's take a look. And, 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 and just one more thing. 
And, of course, we've got to kick the Chiners out. Well, that's always a given. And it's always a good thing. So I, I want you to go to the uh, Coney2012.com site. Yes. And look at Do the, I have to, this, really? Give, yes. me, give me the Amazon URL, because I can't remember. No, no, just <laughs> <laughs> Coney2012.com. And then the Amazon URL will Automatically, website usease.once.amazonaws.com. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, I'm yeah, there. Yeah, I'm there. Okay. So we have our 20 celebrities, which, you know, some of them fell Wait, do you prey to this. Wait, we get so. the kit. I got to get So I want, you to, I want you to look further, Dad. Then we'll just skip the celebrities because it's ludicrous. I mean, you could pick any 20. You mean the culture makers? Oh, Bill O'Reilly. Really? Gee. You know, but that doesn't mean he's done anything. These are the people they're targeting. They're targeting. Well, Rihanna's on there. Look, they got Rihanna. Yeah, they got her targeted, and she, she took the bait. They should, like, put an X over her face when they get her. Yeah. <laughs> Be an X over the two the targets that fell for this. Maybe we should make our own. And Ryan Seacrest, I just put an X on his face just for just for good measure, no matter what. All and right, your buddy Bono. Bono, yeah. All right. Now okay, so uh, let's go to the policymakers. Yeah. Okay. Oh okay. boy, who do we have here? Okay, so let's go over these. Then you know, again, how many people fell for this is minimal. Except Clinton, of course, he's at the top. Okay, I would like you to look at this list and tell me if there's at least two people out of place insofar as if you're just going to pick famous politicians, you would 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 you pick these two? Yeah. Let me give you a hint: women <laughs> yeah. who you've never heard of, like Kay Granger and Eileena Ross Lethinen. I've heard of her actually. I see her on C-SPAN all the time. But she, okay, this, well, this, I've never seen her. This picture uh, is not her realistic image because I've and seen. And why of all the pictures? I, I, this is a question I'm asking you. Yeah. If you notice the the color scheme of the site, which is black and red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. only one person wearing any color, and that's Kay. Yeah. Well, red. S- Stephen Harper has blue. But well, yes. on my monitor, it's barely noticeable. I so, mean, she's Kay Granger stands out. What's I, I'm Let me guess. Do, I did a little research. I could not come up with any rationale for her being on this list or why she's they're, they're making oh, her up. I can tell you why. Okay, go. A, she's from Texas. We have lots of oil companies. B, she's on the subcommittee for defense. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, she's on a couple of subcommittees that might apply. And also a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Come on, man. She qualifies. What are you talking about? What more she's do you need? Be, but why don't they have our friend... Uh, Aaron on here on this list somewhere. Seems to me she's, she's got more influence a, right now. Or, or Wolf Blitzer. Where's he? Why don't they target him? Do they, well, Mark Zuckerberg? They must think he's the dumbest guy in the world. <laughs> and I bet you Zuckerberg will come out and do it. Maybe like well, Facebook. Maybe, Zuckerberg's not that stupid. Facebook update. <laughs> Save well, the children. Facebook a big... You know, a, oh, a big just promotion at oh, the yeah. end of the, of the at the beginning of the movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. At the beginning right there. So there were uh, Facebook. It's didn't got exist. nothing to do with anything, but they gave it this huge promotion, obviously, to get him on board. So and this is but we, I don't know. Do want to dwell yeah. on this? No, we don't have to. But it's an oil scam. And that's it. And that's the end of it. Done. Clear. Now, there was one other beautiful piece of uh, promotion that we also have to just revisit for a second. Uh, we talked about it because a lot happened with the Rush Limbaugh slut thing uh, between Sunday and now. And yeah, which you poo-pooed when I brought it up. Well, I no, I did not poo-poo it. But I'd like to go back and explain again what really happened here. 
So I'm going to go back to Republican uh, X-Factor reality show debate, I think number five, when Democratic operative and agent George Stephanopoulos threw this question out at Mitt Romney, very significant. States have the right to ban contraception, or is that trumped by a constitutional right to privacy? Uh, George, this is an unusual uh, topic that you're raising. States have a right to ban contraception. So this was completely out of the blue, completely what? I, we, I remember it. We, we talked about it, and, and Romney was befuddled by it. He, he, and it he, wasn't he, a topic of conversation at all. He even turned to Ron Paul and said, you're our constitutional expert. What the hell is this question all exactly. about? So I here's my theory, and we discussed it at the time, is... This was meant to move the conversation away from any of the issues the Republican Party was talking about in the debates and focus clearly on this. And for weeks, we had religious bull crap one after another planted by George Stephanopoulos. Now, very key. Mitt Romney still receives an annuity, although he no longer works for them, from Bain Capital. Bain Capital owns Clear Channel. Clear Channel owns Premier Radio Networks. This thing was getting so out of hand, they had to to turn the focus away from the stupid religious debate, and they succeeded by the call coming in to their boy, Rush Limbaugh, saying, dude, I don't care what you do, distract them from the debate about the contraceptives and the religious issue, focus it on you. And he did his job. He went, she's a slut, she's a prostitute, and that was the only thing you heard about. Gone was the conversation about religion and contraceptives and women's health. That was wiped off the table. And and he had no problem doing it. So he lost a couple of douchebag sponsors, whatever. He doesn't care. This This is how willing they were to go all the way into this. And I think it's brilliant strategy that we've seen unfold before our very eyes. And only no agenda listeners really are able to see the entire picture. Because are you with me or not? Did the, did the conversation immediately switch? Yeah, there's something. There's a couple of fishy things about it. And that would explain it, of course. Uh, one is Limbaugh went on about it for four days. Stop, stop just in time for is, Super why Tuesday. Why hasn't he been sued? He won't be. Pay the, well, it's, it's paid he's off. obviously been, and if he is going to get sued, they're going to pick it up for him. Yeah, so, exactly. He's uh, not whole, worried. Yeah, and it definitely took the attention away from the, uh, especially Santorum, who <laughs> yeah. seems to be the one that went down the <laughs> rabbit hole. That's right. Santorum had the whole That's surge going on, and they had to immediately stop everything. The whole media talked about nothing else but slut, 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 slut. That's all that it was. It was, the media is so easy to play. The only ones who don't, don't seem to be able to get any PR is you and me. We're the, we're the only guys that don't we're know how to do doing, this. Because we're, we're not playing the game. I mean, even the porn industry did better than we did. They picked yeah. up on this thing. Porn in the Valley, Southern California probably comes to mind. But soon that could all change because the billion-dollar porn industry is seriously considering moving its operations here to our valley. 
Anita Roman joins us live now to explain. This is Arizona. Sweeping health regulations will require porn performers in the state of California to wear a condom when on location. This is set to... <laughs> when on location. I love that. <laughs> what, what does that mean? <laughs> on location in the bedroom? Hi, I'm on location here in the Arizona Valley. And Oh, hold on. John, are you wearing your condom? We're on location. We can't report without our condoms. Take effect on March 5th. That's just a few days away. Well, those in the industry say this is an attempt to regulate how movies are shot and they say they're fighting back and tonight they brought that fight to Phoenix. Do you want to hear some of the funny porn stars talk about it? Of course. <laughs> this is the only this is time a, we have this opportunity. This is gold. Adult movie star and film producer Taryn Thomas signing autographs for fans tonight at the first ever adult film convention in Phoenix. It's the government and their nanny laws. It's it's overstepping their boundaries. Thomas on a crusade to move the industry to Arizona after a strict new law in California is set to change the way movies are made there. The law will require performers to wear condoms. I wonder what's going to happen for the next Fast and the Furious movie. Does Vin Diesel have to keep it under 65 <laughs> I love the I love the rationale Vin Diesel slow down man slow down your movie's dangerous but the James Bond have to wear tactical gear filmmaker Michael Whiteacre <laughs> says he's already seen a change producers actors he says are packing up and moving to a new valley one with no restrictions Whiteacre says more shooting means more money but former porn actress and founder of the Pink Cross Foundation Shelley Lubin warns of something else I love how they, they put in the little counterpoint very good good package what they bring with them is rampant STDs, prostitution, drug trafficking, and let me tell you, they're going to recruit young women in Phoenix. Duh! Bring that to Tejas. Oh, and hey, there's no drug trafficking in, <laughs> trafficking in Phoenix. No, none there's whatsoever. No prostitution in Phoenix. Nothing, nothing. I said bring the porn industry to Austin. Come on, we got UT here. <laughs> Liven it up. Yeah, let's, let's rock this joint. Forever work is, of course, I'm going to flop to that as well. Amy Brooks started making internet. Here's the best one. This 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 chick is awesome. Movies in Phoenix in 2008, and like Thomas, is willing to come back if it means freedom of expression. Say a construction worker has to wear a hard hat, okay? But he, this building he's building is still going to look the same when it's done, okay? But if a performer has to wear a condom, it's not going to show up the same way, and it's not going to be the same way in the end. That that is the best. <laughs> that is Miss America good, I tell you. Look, especially worker has to wear a hard hat, but when he's done, the building's like still the building. But, you know, when I got to wear, you know, we have a condom, then the movie's not the same. What a rationale. However, well, the- you know, there's a couple of problems with this, I, I, this, this idea of moving to Phoenix. One is uh, a lot of actresses that are in the porn industry actually always wanted to be and probably still in some vague way hope to be movie stars yeah the, the, and so you got to be in the la area yeah, some in, in you know the you can't go all of a sudden be in phoenix say, say you have to be in the milieu say it you have to be in the milieu <laughs> <laughs> my favorite word in the milieu and so uh, she you know so that so i i don't know i mean the the, the real solution to this problem that they have a dilemma as it were uh, is to is to get that law overturned well, there was a nice little setup in here, and uh, I was tipped off to this. Um, Ticked off to it? Tipped off. Oh, tipped. So right after, I mean, literally hours after President Obama uh, and his administration uh, put through this mandate, he went to a New York City fundraising dinner, $35,800 per, per pop, hosted <laughs> by top lobbyist 
Sally Sussman, VP for Government Affairs at Pfizer. And the reason why this is significant, because this now mandates um, that your health care provider pay for contraceptive in its entirety. So guess what they're not going to choose? Generics. There's plenty of generics. Everybody is loving this. The pharmaceutical industry is like, you, yay, yay, Barack, thank you once again. You've done it. This is fantastic. So now everyone will be prescribing the brand name um, uh, 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 anti-conception uh, medicine. Everything will be brand name. There's no copay. Okay? So this is a bonanza for the pharma industry. It's a double whammy. Yeah, this is the scam. Yep. We got a na- we got I got a note I think we both did from one of our producers talking about how his $5 generic, you know, something he had for I think some Oh, some he's, a, he's army. He's a uh the um the new tri- what is the tri plan? The right, it was a couple episodes ago. Yeah. He, he's a well, whatever he, he's, a ve- the- he's a veteran and now all of a sudden um his provider is forced to no longer provide generics. It all has to be yeah, and it goes from five dollars to five hundred dollars yeah. or some ridiculous thing, in, and, yeah. and of course it get it, it doesn't cost the the person with insurance anymore because it's all you know with this copay deal, but it costs the insurance company a lot more, and they're all in, they're in on the scam, and of course the insurance rates go sky high. This whole thing is is rotten. Really yeah. rotten. And, and Obama, who has gotten more money from the insurance companies than anybody else and puts through this phony baloney. And what gets me about it is the Democrat or the Republicans moan and groan about Obamacare, never once mentioning a, the, this, this essential fraud, this scam that's taking place, which increases the cost of insurance because of these, you know, hidden fees that are all done in the back, you know, in the back room. Because, you know, you still pay the 10 bucks, but the insurance company now gets billed $500 or you, 200 you or don't, 100 you don't think, as opposed to being billed five, 10 bucks. Wait a minute. You don't think that perhaps the Republican uh, Party is also on the take from the well, they're uh, pharma? they're obviously on the take or, they, or somebody <laughs> somewhere would say something and they don't. They say nothing. We need like a small independent condom manufacturer to sponsor this show. <laughs> we could do it. It would be, you know, it would be better than it would we be did better today. Than what we're getting yeah. in this last episode of. In fact, we should thank our two uh, executive producers who showed up. Yeah, the, uh, this is what this. always happens: the the roller coaster where people jump in on a on a magic number donation, and uh, and we do just nice for an episode, and then it just like off the cliff, like Wiley E. Coyote, man. Yeah. So we've got, uh, in fact, I should, well, actually, before, let me go look up C-Lock's email first. Um, I think we also got an email from Oracle Broadcasting. What? Oracle Broadcasting? They, do they want to syndicate our program? No, they just wanted to give us a contribution. What is Oracle Broadcasting? Is that like a, is that a, a legit outfit? Uh, I guess it's they gave us money, so they must be legit. <laughs> Let me check. But anyway, we have two. We have one executive producer, one associate executive producer for this show. Uh, Rob Sealock, Sir Sealock, actually in Cochrane, Alberta. 
uh, gave us $241. He becomes executive producer. And I have an email from him. And then Oracle Broadcasting is the associate executive producer from Round Rock, Texas, right up the street from you. Oh, yeah. I, I'm looking at him right now. Yeah, these yeah, guys. They're, yeah, they're like a, a Liberty Network. That's cool. Yeah, and they gave us yeah, $200. Oh, that's and that's what nice. we got to produce this show. So it's a little on the light side, I'd say. Yeah. But let me... Uh, Read uh, Partic- Rob's notes. Particularly for sitting through that Coney thing for a half hour and then doing all the research. Well, Coney. Oh, well, that's, well, let's see if that pays off on the Sunday. The donation is specifically due to John's attempt to pull Adam's head out of the pipeline conspiracy. Okay. It, apparently, you're the only one who felt that way. Uh, strong believer of following the money and oil, but not everything's a massive conspiracy. The donation places me near my second knighthood. I asked my wife if she'd like it, to which she told me not to waste my money on that crappy podcast. <laughs> That's us, baby. Crappypodcast.com. Jeez. Anyway, obviously, she's not aware of it being the greatest podcast in the universe. No, she clearly. probably doesn't listen to podcasts. Yeah. Then I asked if I could give it to one of the kids, explaining that she, like John... Uh, when he was on Twit uh, and the other guy, Adam, was from MTV, to make a long story short, if my wife ever asks, knighthoods only cost $100. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, if she, if she ever asks. So can he I, wants I, us to do a contest, $100, like a lottery. The just, problem with lotteries is there's all kinds of legal, legal ramifications. aspects. To so I need to say this. two things here. One, uh, I understand his wife because podcasts... I have to agree, it sounds like some kind of venereal disease. Uh, I mean, it's not like Oracle Broadcasting. That sounds good, right? Oracle, from the Oracle Broadcasting Network. That sounds good. And now we're like, it's a podcast. Ooh, there must be some kind of cream against that. And uh, <laughs> and the other thing, um, so he says, specifically due to John's attempt to pull Adam's head out of the pipeline conspiracy, uh, this is actually the reason People should be supporting the show because why? Because we balance each other out and you get like these single guys, you know, one voice on the show and they go nuts and they all do it. Every single one of them doesn't. Oh, no, that's the, that's the funny thing we should mention to people that the model for talk radio has changed over the years. You still find the old fashioned talk radio guys. They're rare, rare. I mean, Leo Laporte used to be one of them. And he's actually when he does his talk radio uh a computer show for KFI or wherever it is now. Uh, yeah, it's he, changed. He has gravitated to the new the, style, the new model the new of callers, epitomized by Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, and and it's, is, and it's bad. It is a bad model, and this is why you have to talk a lot. But Twit is very popular because it's a conversation amongst people, and this this program, this icky disease sounding thing, podcast is a conversation between two guys who just want to, like, outdo each other on stuff and make each other laugh, and I just want to get some daddy love from you, but that's a different issue. And that, you're right, the model of going to a guy who then takes phone calls is broken. And the only reason why it works, John, is because everybody wants to get on the radio. So it's great great for ratings, bad for content. You have to imagine, uh, I don't know how some of these guys do it. Sean Hannity, who I, he gets on the, he's on the radio for three hours a day. Then he does an hour of television every day. And when he's on the radio, his, I would say at least 70% of the time spent is just him talking. Bullcrap. 
bullcrap, nonstop, filling time. Blah, blah, blah. Filling time. He ne- rarely takes calls and rarely has guests. He yeah. just yak, 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 but, yak. But yak, besides that, get- there is a balance which is really, really important. And and you, my friend, are actually a very. And this is why I covet you so. You are a very <laughs> not as in coveting my neighbor's wife. You're a very important balance. This is why when you're not on Twitter, the show sucks. I, I just got to say it. When you're on, it's great because there's balance. And sometimes I balance you out. You know, it, it all works. But that's what you're. That's what you should be supporting. So to have only one person recognize that, and he puts it in a, in a weird verbiage, but to have only one person recognize that is the beauty of this show is disappointing. But that's just because people are programmed into the yeah, whole. Yeah, well, I've had one, well, and I've had, and I'm sure you have from your fans. Every once in a while, somebody. I think you should get rid of Curry. No, you, no, they never well, say. Really? No, they, so I should sit here and yak away about whatever I think, and that's that. My, and somebody who would listen to that? You know my no, fa- anyone who would listen to that, I wouldn't want to know them. You know what my fans say to me? You should get rid of Curry. <laughs> <laughs> Curry does more work than I do. It's not about the amount of work. It really isn't. Okay, you're right. I probably try to do as much. Yeah, but it's not. But anyway, it's beside the point. No, that's the idea of the show, and it's the reason I the DH unplugged is very similar. Uh, it's you know, there's there's try you try to balance things off through conversation. That I have to say, I disagree with. I like the show, but uh, the, the the chemistry of that it's is a different show. It's not as balanced as uh, as this show. It's a great, it's a good show. It's very informative, um, but it's different. Well, that's because we have on the other show. Well, there's also we have two some- opinionated guys who who essentially base our show on the business itself, and we become a meta show. The other show is is more. It's closer to a you know an expert and an amateur working right. together. Pro am a pro am working together. Yeah, because I do write about it. But it's an expert, a guy who works it, and a guy who kind of writes about it, and it's a it's a completely different balance. There's no doubt about it, but it's still conversational, yeah. which I think is is one of the attractions to this type of show. Yeah. You get, you know, you get uh, screw it. There's also a kind of magic that you only find yeah, once it's, every it's, it's, every two decades. Whatever the case is, it's a fact that we don't, you know, it's a fact. We, we, get, we did lousy. It's a fact. It's a fact. All right. Fact. All right. And our second uh, executive producer, as we move on. Oh, wait, do we have to do a MILF call out or something and a karma shot for him? Or what do we have to do? What's he asking for? He wanted for? a MILF karma. A MILF yeah. karma. Okay, we'll do that. MILF. That's one mother I like to. You've got karma. There you go. And then Oracle Broadcasting uh, uh, helped us out with uh, $200 and become associate executive producers. That's very They're in Round Rock, which is uh, near the... Uh, where's Round Rock? Round Rock is about uh, 30 minutes. Uh, everything's nine miles from here, basically. <laughs> nine miles. And uh, it's beautiful there in Round Rock. We actually looked at some uh, some property. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, I'd love to build a house. Oh. Man. There's a relationship. A small one. But I'd love to build a house. Uh, so build a big house. You're in Texas, for God's sake. Uh, but I, I don't got build a big house uh, moolah, my friend. Don't uh, have that. Leverage. Leverage. <laughs> leverage, yeah. Would you uh, kind of mortgage my iPad one? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much uh, to both uh, Oracle Broadcasting and to uh, uh, Sir Sealock for uh, contributing. 
of course, you will be. Are they both uh, execs here? or uh, No, no, no. Well, the, the Sir, high would, Sir Rob is uh, associate executive producer. No, and, no. Rob becomes executive producer. Uh, executive. I'm sorry. Associate. Oracle becomes associate executive producer. That's highly appreciated. These are real credits, and you too can be listed on IMDb, just like that guy who did the Coney 2012 movie. So you can have the same level of credit. So we can't we can't uh, promise you that Clooney will be tweeting you anytime, but uh, you're on the same level, and it's a real official credit. And unlike the phonies in Hollywood, we will vouch for you. On the PR front, a couple of uh, uh, domain name forwards to noagendashow.com, only drone domain. Uh, we want to thank E for sending us DjiboutiDrones.com. We are sweeping up the drone, the drone uh, registrations here. And someone's going to wake up one day and they're going to say, Hey, hey, man, we, we got this outfit. We're called Djibouti, Djibouti Drones, LLC. We'd like to buy that. Djibouti. Djibouti Drones. <laughs> Djibouti Drones. We'd like to buy that from you. Uh, then we also have uh, Sean who uh, says, look, I've pointed this domain uh, to noagendashow.com, but I can see a number of uses for droneon.net. One, it could be a trademark of the Curry Dvorak Droning Company. Droneon could be our slogan. It could be what the audience yells when the drone is released in our game show, Win, Lose, or Drone. It's like, are you ready, audience? Yeah, drone on! That could work. And it could be used when discussing Hannity or O'Reilly since they do not, they do seem to drone on and on. So that's good. But the best, and I actually went out and registered a domain name for this because I thought the, uh, the video was so funny. And it doesn't make any sense for me to play the audio because you have to see the video. I registered idroneapp.com. Ooh, yes. And uh, one of our producers put together a fabulous, fabulous video of the No no Agenda software creation, iDrone. And it is the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. Uh, It's it's really a piece of work. And uh, so he basically mocked up an iPhone app, and it it, it looks so good. And Let's go get some money for it and produce it. You don't need to produce it. We should do a Kickstarter. Yeah. Here's an idea. One million dollars to create the iDrone app. I love the... Oh, screw it. Let me just listen. The audio... It actually, he has a very dry English accent, which made it kind of funny. And just listen to... Uh, listen to this for a second. Hold on. It's worth it. It's only a minute. It's a, the perfect length for a commercial. Uh, I'm playing it now from iDroneApp.com. Here at No Agenda Software... We understand that running a nation-state can be tough. <laughs> That's why we created iDrone. iDrone allows mid-level government employees, such as prime ministers and presidents, to manage their own droning activities safely and conveniently. <laughs> Naturally, security is important, so each user has their own login and password. I love the Obama too. And then it's like, who would you like to drone? And there's like options, terrorists, enemy combatants, or belligerents. And it's only allowed to drone certain classes of target. And the next screen is, what style of droning do you require? Freak accident, two to the head, natural disaster, cozy chat, or lawful and just? iDrone is fully customizable with a range of droning styles and media coverage types. Styles. And what kind of media coverage do you want? Fair and balanced, conspiracy theorists, back channels, or movie movie tie-in. <laughs> All customized to your specific rules of engagement. Target selection is easy. <laughs> And alerts prevent you from committing an accidental droning. <laughs> and this is my favorite. Once the action started, you can sit back and monitor the situation with a handy in-flight video. 
<laughs> a handy in-flight video. <laughs> ah, we love that. That's the kind of stuff that should go viral, not that uh, Coney 2012 crap. In fact, you should uh, create a Coney 2012 uh, YouTube video and upload this. <laughs> exactly. That's the kind of stuff we need. So thank you again, everybody, for participating and supporting the program. We could do with a lot more because this was a low end for the week. But uh, well, uh, we're going to try it again next uh, show, of course. And you can always go out and propagate our very important formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. And we want to remind people they go to Dvorak.org slash NA, channel Dvorak.com slash NA. You can go to the NoAgendaShow.com and hit the donate button, or you can go to NoAgendaNation.com and there's a donate button there too. Dvorak.org slash NA. Squirrel! Meanwhile, talking about droning. Back at the ranch. You know, uh, so Eric Holder goes to Northwestern <laughs> Law School. Uh, do we have the same clip? <laughs> uh, probably not. Um, I, got, I took a clip. Uh, I mean, the clip, he, you could have played his whole speech, and all he talked about was, was killing people. First of all, it was, a, it was so poor. It was teleprompter. And yeah, the guy and can't he, read. He, and he can barely read. And he, he, but he got a standing ovation from these shameless students at Northwestern when he walked out. I wonder what they felt like after he told them they're all liable to be killed by be, him. By a drone. Or by a drone. But I, I took, uh, there's about five or six possible clips I could take. But I took the one from Democracy Now! where it was semi-summarized mm-hmm. by uh, the woman uh, there, whatever, I can't remember her name for some reason. Um, and it was done, uh, and she... Mary Jo These people, all the progressives uh, that do progressive news are beside themselves with, they don't know what to make of this. It's just driving them crazy. <laughs> yeah, like the fact that you can get droned anywhere. They, yeah. They don't get it. All right, I, I pulled a different clip, I'm sure, but let's listen to it. This is a compilation clip from uh, Democracy. It's, it's, democracy it's, it's her uh, summarizing, followed by part of the, of the uh, holder commentary that he went on and I couldn't put a... a, a I, I got the relevant okay, clip. Don't play worry, mine and then I, got I got it. With the War and Peace Report, I'm Amy Goodman. The Obama administration has offered its most expansive defense to date of its policy authorizing the assassination of U.S. citizens abroad. In a speech at Chicago's Northwestern University, Attorney General Eric Holder outlined what the White House billed as the legal rationale for its claimed right to kill U.S. citizens kill. who belong to al-Qaeda or associated forces. Holder said it's preferable to capture suspected terrorists when possible, but claim the government also reserves the right to use lethal force. Specifically, Holder said the U.S. can target those who play an operational role in attacks that pose an imminent threat. We must also recognize that there are instances where our government has the clear authority, and I would argue the responsibility to defend the United States through the appropriate and lawful use of lethal force. This principle has long been established under both U.S. and international law. In response to the attacks perpetrated and the continuing threat posed by al-Qaeda, the Taliban, and associated forces, Congress has authorized the president to use all necessary and appropriate force against those groups. Because the United States is in an armed conflict, 
we are authorized to take action against enemy belligerents under international law. <laughs> the Constitution Who gives a crap? empowers the president to protect the nation from any imminent threat of violent attack. And international law recognizes the inherent right of national self-defense. None of this is changed by the fact that we are not in a conventional war. Yeah. International law. Now all of a sudden that uh, yeah, overrides the Constitution. Yeah, now all international law oriented. So let me, what international law is he talking about? Well, I have a clip about that too, but I'd like to play you my clip where... Because, of course, you know, we're looking for the legal, the real legal ramification around this. How can you drone a U.S. citizen anywhere in the world without due process? And he, this is uh, Northwestern. Yeah, yeah, this is good. It's a, it's a, it's a, is this, this not is a, the due process. Clip. Yeah, this is the due process. Do you have that one now? Yeah, here it comes. The anticipated collateral damage must not be excessive in relation to the anticipated military event. By the way, excessive is just a couple kids. It's okay if a couple kids get killed in the droning. You know, if it's like a hundred, that might be excessive. And finally, the principle of humanity requires us to use weapons that will not inflict unnecessary suffering. <laughs> you know, like it's over with quickly. These principles do not forbid the use of stealth or technologically advanced weapons. I love it. Do not forbid the use of stealth. Okay. In fact, the use of advanced weapons may help to ensure that the best intelligence is available for planning and carrying out operations. This is beautiful how it's all turned around because, you know, so we have to do it without a lot of collateral damage. So stealth weapons are actually tailor-made to fit our constitutional right under international law to kill Americans. And the risk of civilian casualties can be minimized. Or avoided altogether. Whoa. Some have argued that the president is required to get permission from a federal court before taking action against a United States citizen who is a senior operational leader of Al-Qaeda or associated forces. This is simply not accurate. Uh-huh. Due process and judicial process are not one and the same. <laughs> A legal technicality hidden for 200 plus years in the Constitution. Due process is not the same as judicial process. This was the this was the gimmick they came up with. This is how, this is this is what the and he explains it again. And how does this go? How do you take not take this to the next level at some point in time? In other words, you start just shooting mobsters. You just develop a hit list of American citizens you don't like, or journalists. And you say that they're you know belligerents, or they're you know they're they're a threat to the to the security of the country because they're running a prostitution ring, and you know who they are. Mm -hmm. There's no you don't need judicial process to actually prove that these people are doing anything illegal. You just shoot them, and so essentially we've created a uh, assassination squad. We've created a uh, death squad uh, in the United States, and and now they're rationalizing it and making it worse. What is the definition of due process? Well, I have it here. Question. I will consult I the... Uh, read it. Consult the book of knowledge. Due process is the legal requirement that the state must respect all of the legal rights that are owed to a person. Due process balances the power of law of the land, which uh, is sometimes befuddled with the Constitution, and protects individual persons from it. When a government harms a, person, harms a person without following the exact course of the law, this constitutes a due process violation which offends against the rule of law. Right. Now, what is 
the difference between do, do well he actually explains it let's listen to his follow-up on this particularly when it comes to national security the constitution guarantees due process it does not guarantee judicial process oh my god this is, uh, am i in a movie Am I in, in a freaking science fiction film? I would like to know why there is not outrage in Congress over this. There's outrage here in, There's in no, except for Ron Paul, all these rest of these guys have got their thumbs up their butts going, well, whatever. This is such an outrage to say that the, the due process is not the same. And, and during, by the way, it was after this speech, I believe, is when Obama gave his press conference and not one member of the media brought this up. They went on about contraception and other, they gave him a little thing about, you know, this minor little questions they thought they were yeah. giving him the needle about. Yeah, we got uh, reports on the news about uh, the porn industry moving. It's all very important stuff, of course. Yeah, this is this is such an outrage. And to get to your interla- international law question, wow, did you see Panetta and uh, Dempsey? No, I, wa- I didn't. Oh. I missed that. Oh, I watched a lot of C-SPAN. Oh, now, this is a long clip, so we'll stop it. We can stop it at any time because it, the, 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 the Sessions is asking the question. And I'll just set it up for you. This is about Syria. This was the, uh, they had two and a half hours on Syria. And uh, I watched it, I recorded it, I went over it again. And when this came up, it, I just went, oh my God. Let me just set it up by saying, who or what body or who has the constitutional right to send American troops to war, to a theater of war, to, to go anywhere and fight anybody for any reason? Who or what has that constitutional right as the sole body? Well, they're going to argue the president, but in fact, the Constitution says it's Congress. Congress. So you have to have an act of war, a declaration of war, uh, signed by Congress. Now, under the War Powers Act, and we've been over this with Libya, the president has 60 days under the Constitution and under the amended bullcrap they put in there, the War Powers Resolution, which I believe is unconstitutional by itself, the president has 60 days to defend the country. So, well, we don't have time. It's so horrible. Syria is going to kill Americans. Let's go in there. I got 60 days to then go convince everybody. So this question comes up, and Sessions, uh, I guess he's a Republican, he asks, uh, he starts off by asking, uh, by posing the question to uh, the chief of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, Admiral Dempsey, and then Panetta, with this droopy, town dog, eyebrow look, just says the most outrageous things. And there's a nice little blood and treasure in here as well. Check it out. Dempsey, you, you uh, in one of your criteria for determining uh, what we might do militarily, you say you have to ask the question whether the action is worth the cost and is consistent with law. What law does the United States military look to? Now, what law would that be? That would be Congress and maybe the president under extreme circumstances. Yeah, if I could, since uh, I'd like to address both because they are related. So cost, resources, um, risk incurred elsewhere by the use of force one other place. So, you know, it's a zero-sum game. We- I-, I love that. Hey, we can just move our guys over there and should kill some people there. Are they brown? Do they live in the desert? We can kill them. Doesn't matter. Zero-sum game. Take them from someplace else. We use them for how long. And, and uh, that's, that's the kind of issue of cost, is it? And, of course, in blood and treasure.
Blood and treasure. Yeah, that means it's good. Remember, blood and treasure is something valuable. It's something we have to fight for. It's li- neuro-linguistic programming to make you feel good about it. Um, the issue of legal basis is, is important, though. Um, you know, we, again, we act with the authorized use of military force either at the consent of a government, so we're invited in, so any government apparently can just call us. Hey, hey, you guys, can you come in? Hey, hello, it's BB over here. What are you doing here? Tuesday? Yeah, can you, can you pencil me in for uh, some dronage uh, over uh, Damascus? Uh, I need you guys. Or, or? Uh, out of national self-defense, which, and it's a very, um, there's a very clear criteria for that. And then the last one is with some kind of international legal basis and unscrewed. Oh, oh. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, I love that. Wait a minute. Whoa, Nelly. I'm from Sessions. Let's talk about an international legal basis. Um, you answer under the Constitution to the United States government, do you not? And you don't need any international support before you would uh, uh, carry out a military operation authorized by the commander. No, of course not. That's the, sec- that's the second well, I one just I want to know that because... Yeah, he's going to turn it around now. Very crafty. Because there's yeah. a lot of references in here to uh, international matters before we make a decision. And I want to be sure that the United States military understands, and I know you do, that uh, it, it, we're not dependent on a NATO resolution or UN resolution to execute policies consistent with the national security of the United States. Now, here comes Panetta. Now, Secretary Panetta, you, in your talk, in your remarks, uh, you you talk about uh, uh, first we're working first we're working to increase diplomatic isolation and encouraging other countries to join uh, the European Union and Arab League in in uh, imposing sanctions and then you note that China and Russia have repeatedly blocked the UN Security Council from taking action. Uh, are, are you saying? And is the president taking the position he would not act um, if it was in our interest to do so if the U.N. Security Council did not agree? When it comes to uh, uh, the kind of military action where we want to build uh, a coalition and work with our international partners, then obviously we would like to have some kind of legal basis on which to do it as we did in Libya. No. <laughs> Wait, did we like? Did we have a, a, a declaration of war from Congress for Libya, John? Did we, I don't think I don't recall that. No, you, I think he was. No, that he was actually. He wasn't. I don't think that's what he was implying. He was specifically was talking about the UN. Well, well, listen, the UN gave us the go ahead. Right. Well, that's my whole point. Is like, but that is not a legal basis for war, and Sessions is not having any of it. Some sort of legal basis. We worried about international legal basis, but nobody worried about the fundamental constitutional uh, legal basis that this Congress has over war. We were not asked uh, stunningly in, in direct violation of the War Powers Act whether or not you believe it's constitution. It certainly didn't comply with it. We spent our time worrying about the UN, the Arab League, NATO, and too little time, in my opinion, worrying about the elected representatives of the United States. Thank you. Do you think that you can act without Congress uh, to and initiate a no-fly zone in Syria. Now, this is a good question. Do you think you can act by basically engaging in war? That's a no-fly zone, which means not only do you keep aircraft... And, and before you continue the clip, I want you to interrupt the clip by playing the McCain once airstrikes clip. Here we go. 
Providing military assistance to the Free Syrian Army and other opposition groups is necessary, but at this late hour, that alone will not be sufficient to stop the slaughter and save innocent lives. Slaughter! Massacre! The only realistic way to do so is with foreign air power. Therefore, at the request of the Syrian National Council, the Free Syrian Army, and local coordinating committees inside the country, (laughs) the United States should lead an international effort to protect key population centers in Syria, especially in the north, through airstrikes on Assad's forces. This guy this guy gets off on this crap, doesn't he? This guy is off the deep end. He just sits at home. Just I wish like they would vote him out. Crop. They had the shot at voting him out this last time around, and they didn't do it. They should rub him out. This is bad. All right, so, so he, here's Panetta's continue. answer. Yeah, he, so, well, of course... That's all you need, right? You only need a foreign government to just say, hey, can you, can you guys make it on Tuesday for that no-fly zone? And Which also means taking out the anti-air defenses. Here's Panetta's answer. Without congressional approval. You know, again, uh, our, our goal would be to, uh, to seek international permission, and uh, we, would, we would come to the Congress uh, and inform you. <laughs> hey, we, uh, we got an appointment on Tuesday. Uh, just want to let you know, so there's no conflict. Yeah, we're going over there. We're going to kill some people. Uh, we're just letting you know. We're not asking you for permission. We're just letting you know uh, and determine uh, how best to approach this. Uh, whether or not we would uh, want to get uh, permission from the Congress, uh, I think those are issues we would have to discuss as we decide what to do here. <laughs> we'll have a meeting. It just goes on and on, John. And, this, and I, I yeah, they're basically he's basically telling the Congress that they can screw themselves. Yeah. Well, I'm almost breathless about that because what I heard you say is we're going to seek international approval, and they will come and tell the Congress what we might do, and yeah. we might seek congressional approval. That's what well, I heard. Well, I want to just say to you that's a big dish. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, you've served in the Congress. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree that that's uh, would be pretty breathtaking to the average American, so would you like... No, the average American is not thinking about that. The average American is not watching C-SPAN, is not exposed to this American information. The average American doesn't even care about the droning Americans. <laughs> yeah, why would we care about some sand bunnies? <sighs> so, um, I'll just get off this. I think everyone gets the point that... Uh, the Where is the outrage? Where's Anderson Pooper standing up and... And yelling and shouting that this can't, this can't be, this is horrible, this is anti-constitutional. I expect Fareed Zakaria to come on and say, this is great, this is exactly the way it should work. We need to be an international coalition, to work with the international partners. That's right. Pencil me in for Tuesday, go drone somebody. It's crazy. Why well, I do, I do declare, Miss Session, Mr. Sessions, that gave me the vapors when I heard that. So... Remember your friend Danny in Syria? Good old Danny. Danny, who was sending off those reports to Anderson Pooper and, uh, and CNN. Yeah, Danny. And Danny. So uh, Danny got busted. Did you see the, the videos of him getting busted? Oh, he finally got busted. No, I missed that. Yeah, so, there was, they had, so he's on the phone for like 20 minutes. Because, uh, you, know, you know, you don't just like, it's not like, stand by to go to Danny live. You know, he's standing there and he, you know, he's waiting for 20 minutes and... He's literally giving commands. He's like, okay, when I say shoot, then I want you to, we got to have gunfire. <clears throat> so he's literally, and this is taped. 
And this, and of course, the, I, I only can believe the translation because I don't know if that's exactly what he said. But it sure seems like no one's refuting this. Well, we knew it was rigged. So this happens on Monday. This video comes out. Everyone's like, oh, my God, this, this guy's a total shill. I'm like, yeah, duh. But it's totally wagged the dog. The guy's like directing on the ground. Hey, man, you know, like, make sure we have some gunfire because that's to sound really good when I'm on with Anderson. And then all of a sudden... Wednesday, the guy, and it's impossible to get in and out of Syria. The guy is in the studio with Anderson Pooper. And Anderson is refuting this whole thing. Do doth protesteth too much, I thinketh. Listen to this. And he's Syrian state television, as you know, is now airing uh, excerpts of uh, of this video of you uh, that was shot. Uh, I'm not sure how they got uh, this video. Do you know how they got it? Did they intercept it? Um, while I was trying to talk to CNN, I was online for like 20 minutes. So it's live broadcast. I don't know how they got it. it was, this is all private. See, we should have. This has all been deleted. We have to delete all this stuff. Right. Uh huh. I mean, that's incriminating right there. Yeah, he just admitted to it. He just the whole basically scam. admitted the whole thing's a scam. Hey, but they gonna, took my private stuff. Yeah, my stuff that, that you know, you're not supposed to see that part, man. That crap. It's like taking the outtakes from Mission Impossible, man, with the green screen. You can't do that. I want to ask you some specifics. They say the truth uh, of Danny the Zionist. That's the right. title of this, and it's obviously he- heavily edited. Uh, the obvi- unlike CNN. They say at one point, yeah. I'm going to show <laughs> this, they say that you were saying, get the target ready to shoot. And by the way, he... Anderson never mentions the gunfire part. They never talk about that in the interview. That's the real damning evidence, which he, he edits out. No, no, shoot it like I'm telling you. Let's take a look. So now they show a little bit of this video. It's just totally useless B-roll, but okay, I left it in. Here we go. Back to Anderson. Let's just simply get some answers. And then the, the banner in Arabic says, notice the sound of an explosion after he gave the order. They're making it seem like you were fabricating the sound of explosions. Yes, okay. If you exactly watch, the, the, it was about six minutes I was talking to you, actually, on CNN at that time. There was no shooting going on at the time. So if I was, was telling him to shoot so I can make it look like there's a war going on, uh, there would be shooting on the back uh, on the back sound while I was talking to you. They, they said not... the sound of the bang there was the sound of you guys no, faking a shot. That that was sound a long way ago. Even at the time, the area I was sitting in wasn't even being hit. They were hitting another area, as I told you, it was called Khaldi. It's about 15 kilometers away from where I am. I want to play another part of this uh, of of their tape again, not the relevant part. Your cameraman is saying, "Say there that shells fell and we are pulling bodies." Yes. Let's take a look. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. The, the banner there says even the cameraman is lying. What was happening there? Uh, look, as any journalist works, as anyone who's trying to work, it isn't just me, all the reporters inside, they tell us uh, you have to say this. This is actually what's going on. I don't know everything that's going on in there. Yeah, he's just taking orders from his handler. He's, he's, he's admitting this on camera. It is unbelievable. They get the information, how many people have been killed. So I'm not really a reporter. They remind me, don't forget to say this. Tell them there's, we have people dead, people underneath the destruction. So I don't forget. They- yeah, he said, don't forget my lines. It's the script girl. Tell me if people dead, people under the rubble. Okay, people dead, people under the rubble. Okay, I, I got it. Let's go live. You also say that 
you are basically have been paid by CNN. Yeah. Um, that's categorically untrue. Just for the record, of course, have you ever worked for CNN? Have you ever received any money from CNN? I have not received one penny from CNN. I am not. Well, then you're an Cheap idiot. Bastards. Yeah, really. <laughs> you're an idiot. You should whoop that pooper upside the head and take some of his wallet. This is no good. You're not getting paid for acting? Come on, is this, is this not a SAG gig? I mean, you should protest to the union. You've been very upfront of the fact that you went there to join the Free Syrian Army, yeah. that, that you wanted to join, oh, so you're okay. not pretending to yeah. be yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, an impartial journalist. No, no I'm not impartial. <laughs> I mean, come on. Come on. And meanwhile, the guy's in the studio. He got out. He'll get back in. Yeah, what is yeah like? I know. This is what we've, we've pointed this out before with the, with, the, with the list of reporters that are already there and all the French reporters that have gone and done all kinds of stuff and nobody pays any attention to it. This is a is ridiculously, uh, this is the most skewed, this is, I mean, we're at the point now where it's like, why wag the dog. bother? Just wag the dog. By the way, um, I find it very disturbing. That uh, for those of you who listen to the No Agenda producer update, this guy, Danny, sounds exactly like Mr. Oil. <laughs> I'm just saying. He fell on the sword then. That's a good job there, Mr. Oil. Yeah, uh, but so this, this to me is just like, wow, really? Uh, just staying on Syria, uh, the Chiners pulled out their people. So, you know, Anderson Pooper can't get in. And uh, of course, I'd love to see Anderson there. I want him there. I want him in the war zone. And he went to Tahrir Square when it was all safe and everything. But now he's like, oh, I'm not going to go there. I'm a Vanderbilt. Gosh darn it. The Chiners apparently had $17 billion worth of projects. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. That's pretty big, right? Yeah, that's something. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. At some point, the Chinese are going to get a little irked by all this and uh, do something to screw us. There was one other funny thing that came out of the uh, the Dempsey Panetta thing. Um, I'll, just, I'll just play it. And you tell me if you if you think there's anything to it. This is uh, Cornyn, I think, asking the question. Republican from Texas. To um, the Department of Defense's uh, business transactions with uh, this same firm I mentioned to earlier, uh, Rosa Boron Export, that is engaged in uh, military sales of Russian weapons to uh, Assad's regime. Uh, reportedly, the, this company has signed a deal with the Syrian government to sell it 36 combat jets uh, capable of hitting civilian ground targets. Uh, can you confirm that? I, I can't. I, I'd have to. I'd have to look into that. So. Well, I'm, I don't mean to um, blindside you. I'll certainly share with you this this article, and I'd be interested in following up uh, in greater detail. Um, Rosa Boren Export was uh, uh, sanctioned by the United States in October 2008 for assisting Iran's uh, nuclear program, but those sanctions were lifted by the Department of State in May of 2010. Uh -huh. This is what I wanted to get to. Uh, it's my understanding that the Department of Defense has uh, through an initiative led by the U.S. Army is currently buying uh, <laughs> dual-use M1, excuse me, MI-17 helicopters for the Afghan military from this very same company. Uh, 
I'd like to know whether you, either one of you can confirm that at this point. <laughs> no, but I can certainly take that for the record. I, I can confirm we are buying MI-17s for the Afghan military, <laughs> but I can't confirm that that's the corporation providing them. Now, if you're the guy buying uh, helicopters, <laughs> I've bought a helicopter or two in my day. You know who you're buying it from. <laughs> I, 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 they buy it from the used helicopter store. Wait, but you're telling me that uh, that we're buying our helicopters from the same guys who are supplying arms to the Syrians? I mean, there's a lot well, more. Going you don't on really want to discuss the MI-17 is a Russian chopper. Yes. So you don't want to go on and say, why are American companies? How about a McDonnell Douglas? You know, how about uh, the, how yeah, about, how about one of our own yeah. choppers? But apparently, chopper. I guess the Afghans have been using Russian. Uh, I guess they captured a bunch of them after they rousted the Russians. I don't know. Whatever the case is, they uh, this is a Russian uh, uh, piece of equipment, and that and now we're buying them to give to the Afghan army. Yeah, is this, yeah. Is this this is scandalous. Oh yeah, uh, and you will see that tonight on the PBS NewsHour. I'm sure. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be right there. So they uh, got a one billion dollar contract with the U.S. Department of Defense, signed May 26, 2011. Uh, the U.S. signed a no-bid, fixed-price foreign sales contract worth $375 million, thank you, love, to purchase the MI series of rotocrafts and spare parts, which, believe me, Russian helicopters, you need a whole bucket of spare parts, with estimated completion they date... They buy an extra chopper for the parts chopper. Uh, yeah, well, this pieces fly off all the time. Uh, the contract comes with an option for $550 million in additional purchases, raising the total to nearly $1 billion. Public contract records show ongoing business between the U.S. Army and Rosa Boron Export, with a transaction as recent as November 3rd, 2011. This is just some sort of corruption. That's what the only r r rationale for this. Well, I think it does play into the whole Syria thing. I mean, so there's, you know, it's not just oil and gas. There's a, a lot of money in arms. I mean, billion dollars is nothing to sneeze at. Nothing to sneeze at. So I'm looking at the MI-17. The Mexican Navy uses it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's certainly nothing we would want to have. You don't really want to fly the, uh, the MI-17. I've been on a Russian airplane. I've been on an Aeroflot. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, I've flown was, on an Aeroflot, too. And it was a Russian-built plane. It had the four engines stuck on the tail. It was a weird thing. <laughs> That's the, That makes your landing better when you're I Polish. I think it was an Ilyach, an Ilyach 42. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it. Uh -huh. I mean, it was an Ilyach something. And everything in the thing, it bolts were all oversized. And I understand it had a tube radio, <laughs> and uh, which There's I think most of the Russian that. planes until recently used tube radios. There's nothing wrong with tube radios. No, they work fine. I don't mm -hmm. know about how they perform after being shook up in a turbulence. Perfectly fine. And uh, we just push them well, back in. It's an uncomfortable plane, very uncomfortable hey, plane. Hey, comrade John, push the tube back in the, in the, in the socket <laughs> so I can so contact the radio. <laughs> I was given a whole lecture on what to expect. And uh, in my face, a couple of things for just anecdotal. Uh, for one thing, the flight back, because uh, of all the, the Russian stewardesses that spent, uh, they're out of London. Do they have beards? They No. <laughs> they look like, the, look like the Model Express from Playboy magazine. Oh, all right. There you so go. It's like the, and they're all dolled up to the max because they get to, when they go to, apparently the Russian planes, they land in London. The first thing that the girls do is they rush off to uh, buy makeup. Yeah, well, this, this is 1989, John. So anyway, they 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 have uh, Gucci in uh, in Moscow. Yeah, now, now they do. This is pre. This is just before the fall of communism. So yeah. it was it was a big deal. That's when I was there. 
But people told, you know, said, warned me about this and they already told me about it. I thought it was kind of funny. They recycle their plastic cups and, you know, for the plane. So there's a big pile of these scratched up old plastic cups that they pour <laughs> from j- large jugs of juice into the <laughs> scratched up old plastic thing. And here's bug would you juice. like some, some orange juice or apple juice? Some bug juice. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, it's. Yeah, one day, one day I'll have to tell my story about uh, Moscow in 1988 before a gloss nose and everything. That's for a different day, perhaps. Yeah, well, uh, we can't over, over, only one Russian story at a, a show. Yes, we can. We can't overdo it. I totally agree. So anyway, onward. Um. Why? Well, I, I mean, I got tons of stuff. What? Did you wrap your story? I didn't hear you. You finish. Well, I mean, uh, uh, so. Th- on the, uh, I mean, on Syria just in general, uh, and what's going on in the whole region, I think we can see uh, two main things happening. And I've opened up a new heading called Lost. Lost. The Law of the Sea Treaty. Because this is what it's coming down to. Um, now, we remember that <coughs> Lucifer Clinton. Uh, was all over this. This is a UN. Um, this actually, I think, was uh, the whole deal was done in maybe the 50s, but then they tried to revive it again in the 80s. And a couple of countries have not ratified the Lost Treaty, the Law of the Seas Treaty, Lost. Uh, one of them is Greece, unfortunately. And the idea is your EEZ, your uh, economic zone, uh, extends 200 miles out from your shore. And should there be less than 400 miles between shores, then the countries uh, oppose it or that, that both claim rights have to uh, essentially come to an agreement. Well, this the, would apply to uh, Cyprus, I would assume. Yes, Cyprus, Lebanon, Syria, uh, there's only 385 miles. So the question is, who owns the Leviathan fields, the gas fields. This is what a lot of this is going to come down to. I'll just give you a couple of the headlines as to what is happening. So Greece never ratified uh, this agreement. So people are kind of saying, and neither did the U.S., by the way. Uh, we don't ratify anything. You know, we don't recognize the International Criminal Court, yet we're happy to send people to it as long as you know we don't recognize it so we can't go to it. Right. So they set up this ISA, the International Seabed Authority, interestingly enough, in Kingston, Jamaica. I'm not sure why it's located in Kingston, um, but that's where it is. And you can see all the countries uh, that, have, uh, that have signed up and have ratified and people uh, look over it. So it's the exclusive economic zone that is important. And uh, there's a real problem between Greece and Turkey, obviously, because uh, Turkey is saying, hey, you know, you've got uh, some of that Leviathan uh, gas there in, uh, in the Mediterranean. Uh, yeah, hey, that's within our 200-mile EEZ, uh, our exclusive economic zone. So um, what it's happens... Actually just, just to be uh, totally accurate, it's 200 nautical miles. Not, yes, nautical 230 miles. 230 miles to the crow. <laughs> Always there to point out the really important stuff, John. Well, yeah, it's important yeah, if you're 30 miles away from it. Yeah, I agree. So uh, Greek Cyprus and France, remember France runs Total Oil, uh, launched a search and rescue exercise, armed exercise, I might uh, say, from oh, the really? Greek Cypriot port of Lim- Limassol. 
After they signed an armed forces cooperation agreement, this happened on January 24th. So the French are now in Greek Cyprus saying, uh, okay, we're good for you. Turkey is saying, uh, we just might have to annex northern Cyprus. So we're going to see a big skirmish there as to who owns what. Then we have on our very own Capitol Hill, Jim Inhofe. Is that Senator Inhofe? I think so. Yeah, Imhoff. He is now calling for hearings for the ratification of the Law of the Sea Treaty. So uh, this is now starting to stir up in uh, in Congress, and I think you will see uh, Lucifer Clinton involving herself in this one way or the other. I'm not quite sure what's more beneficial, uh, but the the way I understand the law, and I read the treaty, of course is if, you're, if there's less than 400 nautical miles between the shores, you have to work out a deal. Now, the only person who was good at working out a deal is Lucifer. She's the one that does that stuff. She knows how to run it. Yeah, and, yeah and, she's going to have to do something because I'm looking at this map is a disaster in terms of... Who owns I mean, what? Everything is... Cyprus is just right there within... Jeez, I think... Oh, yeah. It's maybe 50 miles. So I think that yeah, 50, the, the 60 real miles issue we're everything. seeing, I think the real issue we're seeing here is Lebanon has uh, arguably a legitimate claim. They did ratify the exclusive economic zone. They have a legitimate claim to the Leviathan oil. Now, Lebanon, of course, I mean, if you're going to run Lebanon, you might as well run Syria because that's really <laughs> what controls everything. So I think that's why we're seeing some of these Well, that's why we remember this has been this Lebanon-Syria thing has been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're, this Leviathan thing has been well known for some time. Yeah, well, well, never discussed. Right. But this is why all of these things have been taking place. You know, we had this the, 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 the France-Greece thing that was January 24th. So this all kind of starts to make sense that a lot of positioning is going on. By the way, I found out that uh, Nobel Energy, Bill Clinton, is a registered lobbyist for them. <laughs> nice find. <laughs> yeah. Gee, how, how does that figure, huh? Uh, Lebanon, uh, speaker of, let me see who said this. Uh, I have to figure it out. Um. Lebanon claims Israel's Leviathan gas field. There you go. That it spills over into Lebanese territory. Israel is ignoring this fact. And the two countries are disputing an area of around 850 square kilometers. So that's uh, 1.8. So that's about that, that 460 that you're talking about. However, Cyprus and Israel, they worked out their lost agreement in December of 2010. So, I'm thinking that, uh, that we'll see this uh, law of the sea thing, which then gives the power, really, to the United Nations, which is where America wants it, so that they can resolve disputes and, and do all that. And then, hey, you know, if you don't, you don't like it, we'll come in and drone you. Something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> Makes sense. Unfortunately. Yeah, this Cyprus thing right in the middle of this is... It's a fun map to look at. Ooh, wait a minute. I had something for that. You have a fun map. If you find yourself thinking, what's all this crap? Take a look at the map. <laughs> Unfortunately, it sounds like take a look at the math. 
No, it doesn't sound like that to me. It sounds well, good. It if you find yourself saying, what's all this crap? Take a look at the map. It's catchy. It is catchy. It's catchy. And, and if you look at the map, if you go to just type in Cyprus and Google and then click on the maps so you can get a Google Earth map, uh, and uh, especially a satellite version, and you just blow it out a little bit so you can see what, what the situation is, and you go... This is like, I don't think living on Cyprus would be much fun. No, no it's, it's no longer the holiday destination it used to be. Because you know these people are battling. Yeah. Let's close it out. If you find yourself thinking, what's on this trap? Take a look at the map. I love it. That's a good one. That's a keeper. Yeah, that is a kind of a keeper. So to change the topic a little bit to something lighter. <laughs> Besides death and mayhem in the desert, yeah, I was uh, watching a rerun of Leno oh, with because I wanted to see Michelle Obama. I didn't see her the first time, and I didn't realize that she's a horrible mom. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute, uh, are you telling me that uh, when we saw her during uh, Halloween, that that didn't tip you off that she's uh, a horrible? Well, you, you were you were all you were all over it. Uh, but let's, just listen to well, this. Hold on. Listen let's, to th- let's listen to her from uh, Halloween just to yeah, make sure that. we remember. Yes, you here's little a little kids. one. You come on up. Ah! <laughs> you first <person> friend. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's been doctored. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. No, no, no. No, here, here's the original. Here it is. Yes, here's a little one. You come on up. <laughs> That's not doctored. Come on up. That's actual audio from the White House. So, uh, just tell me that if you were, if the, what kids, if this is a normal for kids, the, the way that she's allowing them, well, play the Michelle clip and tell me what you think. Before this campaign yeah. gears up, the girls seem to be adjusting well. How you do know, you... they're doing yeah. really well. And I think that's been one of the most surprising things about living in the White House. And par- Probably one of the things I worried most about was whether we could have a normal mm-hmm. life, uh, more so for them than for us. Uh, but the people at the White House are amazing. Yeah. The girls are good. They're normal. We always check in. They have a regular life. They've got friends and sleepovers. And, you know, to them, it's home. Uh, so it's been it's been truly a blessing for now, us. Now, I've I read you're strict with the computer. No computer during the week? That's right. No, no. Uh, well, they, they can earn one hour of computer or TV time if they've done everything during the week. They've okay. got two hours on Friday, three on Saturday, two on Sunday. Yeah. Just an so, hour during the week? Just, <laughs> they, I know, I know, I know. But they, they should be doing yeah. their homework. Really? So she, so she's, they should be doing their homework because we all know that anyone who's studied modern education of their homework is bull crap yeah. and useless. And so, so essentially, they're slave drivers, uh, in a kind of ironic sense, uh, with these kids who are leading a normal life, and they're not on Facebook once in a while, or they're downloading stuff, or play, listening to music on the internet, or yeah. or using Google because they're allowed one hour a week if they do all their chores and homework. Uh, this this is not a normal thing for kids today. I used, but when I was a kid. I only got one hour of television a week because it was going well, to rot the same your brain. Here. They're only allowing like a one hour of television or computer, so they give us an option. But they were right because television. Oh yeah, television's bad. Brain. But this is yeah. not normal. No. Uh, so want- the kids are going to come out. They're not going to know anything. They're going to not know how to do a Google search. 
Uh, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, most people don't know how to How do are they going to learn about porn? They're not going to know anything about porn. They're, they're, obviously, they just want to keep them off the Internet because they don't want to hear any bad stuff yeah, about their dad. Like the truth. That would be bad. Hey, Dad, how come uh, you're an a-hole? And they, <laughs> and they sent, yeah, how come you're killing Americans with drones? Yeah, what's up with that, Dad? Yeah. I, I want to thank Jesta, by the way, from JestaMusic.com for putting that uh, map jingle together. That was good. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty uh, that's pretty lame. And there's also the other thing that I want to just get out of the way before we go to the big donation segment, mm-hmm. which won't last long anyway. <laughs> it's, it's a shorty. It's a shorty today. Oops. Is uh, the open letter from the spook community? These the, the the intelligence community is really upset about this Iran thing. Yeah, they don't like it, do they? Not at all. Play the uh, clip. In related news, eight retired U.S. military and intelligence officials have signed an open letter to President Obama urging him to say no to war with Iran. The letter was published as a full-page ad in the Washington Post Monday. Signatories included Colonel Lawrence Wilkerson, who served as former Secretary of State Colin Powell's chief of staff and former CIA national intelligence officer Paul Pilar. So they're coming out of the woodwork, as a matter of fact, to protest this uh, saber rattling. Yeah, uh, for obvious reasons, it's a, it's the whole thing is based on fraud, fraudulent information that is that apparently is important enough that all the intelligence agencies are, are complaining, and well, nobody they, pays it. None of the Republican candidates or anybody else paying yeah. any attention to any of this, and they're still you know threat, threatening Iran, which is. Uh, Pushing them toward uh, getting weird. This Iran thing, by the way, I mean, it's, you know, I think I've kind of got it, uh, a big part of it figured out. It's not about nuclear weapons. We just don't want Iran to have nuclear power. I think that's, at the end of the day, that's really what it is. Just no nuclear power. They've tried this before, you know. Iran had a huge project uh, in the, I think, late 60s, early 70s. Uh, they had they had all this Chinese uh, technology coming in. They were they were going to go completely independent of oil. They were going to go completely uh, nuclear power, and that of course uh, begat Three Mile Island and the China Syndrome, and you know the uh, the um, the entire propaganda against nuclear uh, power has been so successful that even I still question if it's safe, even though I I'm pretty sure it is and. Boy, what a wonderful world this would be without all that uh, oil for energy. We still need oil for everything, but, you know, not for energy. It's like it's been so successful. So I think now the equation nuclear energy equals nuclear bomb is just as damaging and just as big a part of the PR campaign, John. I think it's more important to them than anything. Well, it's definitely effective. It's Uh, It's certainly working. Very effective. Well, if uh, the nuclear power energy wants to sponsor our show, we'll shill for them, won't we? <laughs> In a heartbeat, I tell you. We need some. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. Nuclear power. In the morning. They could just make a donation as uh, the Hot Rod Association. You know, Hot Pockets. Yeah, yeah Hot Pockets. No one would have to know. Potter Geek Media. Yeah. <laughs> Sean Palandino in Cinnamonson, New Jersey, $128, uh, saying, though Carmody did not get me a new job, it gave me the pleasure of my first girlfriend. Well, I'd, really? I'd, I'd say that. And that's... a huge bump in hours at the Taco Bell. 
Well, I'd say that was that's what. I what, think what more do you want? The Taco Bell and can give us one hundred twenty-eight dollars. People should take notice. And if he's getting late and working at Taco and he's Bell, getting late because of the on. karma. Hello, everybody. Working at the Taco Bell and getting laid is like amazing. <laughs> it's it's the American dream. With the promise of being executive producer with a nice $256 donation on my birthday show on March 29th, I'm turning 21. I plan on donating drunk in the future. You can take that to the bank literally. To bring back a favorite slogan of mine, could I get a hey, citizen? Uh, The science is in. I don't know if we can do this combination. Yeah. Dedouching karma. Hey, citizen. Science is in. Let me just see if I have the. The Yeah, okay. okay, I got it. All right. Hey, citizen. Dedouching science is in. Yeah, karma. Okay, here we go. Hey, citizen. The science is in! You've been de-douched. You've got karma. I don't want to say anything, but I nailed it. Yeah, I think you did. It's going to be his ringtone, he says. (laughs) Good luck with that. (laughs) And for a fellow donator wondering how to get a custom ringtone on the iPhone, Ars Technica had a fantastic article recently describing how to do it. You know, can I just say something? People, it was a joke. It was like, it's real easy to get a ringtone on the iPhone. Like, A, don't care. B, B, duh. It was just just making a point. Okay, Dame Astrid, meanwhile, in Tokyo, came in uh, with a flirtatious letter aimed at you. Well, uh, you know, me and the dame, we be hanging. 100 bucks. Your show is definitely the best in the universe. But today, that whoop em ron rap <laughs> was so good, I had to restrain myself from hitting the donate button to the rhythm. And that would have been interesting. Yeah, that would have been cool. Oh, $5,000. Actually, I hit the donation button so fast I forgot to put a note in the bottom of my PayPal, uh, which essentially... Uh, she didn't. Or we got it in there somehow. I don't so, know. So, Dame Astrid, you should come to the Camp Mofo sleepover. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we got Miss Molly here, Miss Mickey. Dame Astrid would complete the set. Ed uh, Le Boutillier. Boutillier. Boutillier, that would be at Hesperia, California, $100 without a comment. Brian Pollock in Overland, Mosura. Uh oh, here we go. We're on it again. Uh, sixty nine ninety. Oh, he has sixty nine ninety six. Mm, talent. Oh, so he, oh, it's palindrome. So he missed it. So it looks like maybe this week will be the last. We maybe end the streak. Special love palindrome donation to get some karma for my wife. It was a job interview this week, and it's her first in twenty plus years. So give her a milf karma from the best podcast in the multiverse. Milf. That's one mother I like. You've got karma. Uh oh. Evgeny Kovalev in New York, New York, 69.69. The streak continues. 69, 69. Karma for those in need. Uh, Adam and John, keep up the great work. Just to throw out a karma. You've got karma. That was close. We almost lost the uh, streak. <laughs> this is the last minute Whew, he came in. Boy, I, I lay awake at night about these yeah, things. Yeah, well, worries me sick. Uh, Sir Oleg uh, Rakatini oh. Rakatine yeah, in sir, uh, Richmond sir. Hill, Ontario, fifty-five, fifty-five. A past technical interview for a new job. I need Carmen to negotiate a six-figure salary. Hey now, keep well, up the good work. Well, I mean, you're asking for super karma there, but you never know. I hope it works for you. You've got karma. Six figures. Holy, yeah, holy. six figures is good. 
Scott McLaughlin, Fort Riley, Kansas, 55-55. Curtis Steven- Stevenson in Terrigal, New South Wales, 50, uh, 50 double nickels on the dime. Hey, citizens, John and Adam, enjoying the show from Gitmo Nation Down Under. Please accept a small donation as a sign of gratitude for all the valuable lessons and insight you have shown me. Please thoroughly de-douche me for taking so long to donate and send out a Huntsman karma shot <laughs> for my smoking hot girlfriend who started her new job as a registered nurse this week. And he sent some domains I think you may or may not have mentioned so yeah, far. Yeah, no, we've, uh, we've been working on He sent me uh, ArabGasPipeline.com and SyrianGasPipeline.com, and I'm, uh, I'm working on putting some maps up there. So let's uh, get a Huntsman Karma. Maps. <laughs> You've got karma. I do find myself just saying that sometimes around the house. Yeah, you're getting it. You're getting closer. David Trotsky, Romeoville, Illinois, double nickels on the dime shot of karma for his youngest daughter, Risa. She's a freshman taking her SATs this Saturday as part of her application to the Illinois Math and Science Academy. You've got karma. Also, Sean Lake in Union, New Jersey, 5445, former Seton Hall student. And no agenda donor Jeremy Slate mentioned that I turned him into the, onto the show, but as Adam noted, I had not donated, so I needed dedouching plus a karma. Okay. You've been dedouched. You've got karma. Uh, Cal L in Niles, Illinois, fifty-one fifteen. Longtime boner, first-time donor. Need a thorough de-douching of some hay citizen karma for the job that I'll begin the interviewing process for. By the time this is read, it's a, it's with a fruit named company that I'm already employed with. Apple, and the opportunity would make my career Apple. If all goes well, you can expect uh, more donations. Yeah, I would think yeah. if you're for Apple. Don't send me an iPad though. Don't send water, blankets, or iPads. No, send D-douche, your cash. Uh, D-douche, hey, citizen, here we go. You've been de-douched. Hey, citizen. You've got karma. William Smock, or Smock, Smock. I wonder how many people will get that reference. San Diego, California, 50-50. My wife, Carrie, has listened to... I started listening to No Agenda on her own. I guess she's not like the other wife we referred to earlier who hates the show. <laughs> How about some karma for her as a realtor in San Diego? Uh, NavigateYourWayHome.com. Thanks. Oh, absolutely. Well, welcome aboard. Always nice to have another female listener. You've got karma. Karma for you, Carrie. Karma for Carrie. Karma for Carrie. Geert von Tripp. Okay, let's do that again. Geert? No. No. Geert von Tripp. Very perfect. Fifty dollars. Bill Hasbrook, Hasbrook, <laughs> in Lake Oswego, Oregon. Uh, Fifty dollars. These are de-douching and some karma. Enough said. You've been de-douched. You've got karma. Scott Rizipka, uh Villa Park, Illinois. Fifty dollars. Usually donate to call my buddy Parth as a douchebag. But today's his birthday, so all I need is a birthday shout-out for him. Thanks for the quality show you guys put on. Week in and week out, indeed. Thank you. We try hard. The Goose Hung High from Framingham, Massachusetts, 50 bucks, And finally, Greg Riddell in St. Peter's, Missouri, $50. And uh, that ends our donation segment for oh, show 389. Uh, 
What's the note I have here? Um, Sir Oscar Nadal? Yeah, we do have some other stuff to read, I guess. Well, I, but I don't have a, a donation amount for him. I think this is something that came in or, or came into the mail or well, whatever the case is. The pre-karma call works. I told myself if I got a reward for the scooter restoration and the high roller scooter rally in oh, Las Vegas, right. I would donate. Oh, and right. And an honorable mention. So here's my post-karma donation. And we will Sir Oscar Nadal, a.k.a. the Romantic Hispanic. <laughs> He has a ring, so he must be a... He's a sir, yes, Sir Oscar. Hey, baby. They call me the romantic Hispanic. And you wrote a roll it, word on the rally, so that might have helped. Yeah. Good. Congratulations. I don't know what a high roller scooter rally is. It must be some, some crazy... You know... Uh, something something Kim.com would participate in, probably. Your good, your good friend, Dave Matthews. Uh, uh, you mean... Nah, he's not really my good friend. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, uh, well, you bring it up. You know, how can I not uh, say anything? I'm not allowed to talk about that? I don't know. I don't think you should. Maybe you could. If it's I, kind of funny. So, I, uh, I don't know. So, he, don't has, know a, he has a Vespa that he completely re, re, rebuilt. Oh, my finger slipped. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. That just happened. Why would you do that? You know, this, we won't get into it. So, uh, <laughs> not everyone. I'll, if someone donates a thousand dollars, I'll tell the story. Okay, that's a, that'll be the challenge. Anyone who donates a thousand dollars gets the Dave Matthews story, which <laughs> is kind of funny. It's creepy. <laughs> it's creepy. But then uh, I, I will share my portion. That, that's a story that we should do that with more of our anecdotes. Yeah, you want me to By tell that way, story? Talking about anecdotes. So how did that chicken turn out that you called me up mm. about? Thank you for asking. Yeah, so I had uh, two hindquarters, which I bought at the Austin Market on 4th. And I was like, okay, I really want to do these differently. I call up John. This is great because we never talk. I call up. He says, hey. I said, hey, hey, what do you want? I said, and I go right into it. I got two hindquarters. Um, how do I make them? And, and we do no, no small talk, no nothing. John's like, okay, here's what you do. This is delicious. It's guaranteed to work every time. I make it all the time. It's perfect. And uh, it consisted of chopping up onions and carrots. And actually, I did broccoli, John. Didn't do the Brussels sprouts. I did broccoli, some red potatoes and slices, and a little bit of olive oil over that, a little bit of seasoning, then salt and pepper on the, on the bird, then rubbed it with, um, with margarine. And put that on top of the vegetables in the oven, 425, 40 minutes. John, it, the oven went ding. It came out. It was spectacular. Yeah, that's Absolutely. a good dish. It was spectacular. What I like about that dish is that is essentially, and this is done in a, in a casserole thing, it, this, that it's a dish that you, it creates the vegetable dish and the chicken dish, and there's no maintenance. You just put it in. And it works. You have to put it in. You have to have a convection, convection oven. Convection oven, yeah. What yeah. you want. And, 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 and it in a glass it nice pan. and crispy. It's not like, you know, flaccid. Mm -hmm. And it's a good dish, and it's easy to do. Very easy to do. So um, for Miss Molly, I will write it up, and we can post it somewhere. Well, for Miss Molly, I did something, a variation of it. I had a, um, a, ch a whole chicken. It was more like a big hen. It was, you know, it would have been a little too much for the two of us, but perfect for the three of us. Did the exact same thing. Put the bird right on top of the gun. And by the way, the broccoli, that will blow you. Have you ever tried it with broccoli? I throw different things in there. The bro broccoli but is outstanding when you do that. And uh, so I did that. And here's how I did it. 
I started off at 500 for 15 minutes, then went to 425 for 15 minutes, and then did 30 minutes at 350. So I was like a step-down mode. It w- and convection, of course. Wow. It would, that would, that really, if you do the, if you like really fry it, step down, step down, sizzle, let it go, really good. How long was that for? 30 minutes at, at 350 at the end. So 15 at 5, 15 at 425, and then 30 at, uh, so at an 350. So an hour. So hour total, yeah. Yeah. It was, wow. I mean, I was sucking that bird. Anyway, okay, we want to thank you. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you very much. It was dynamite. Absolutely dynamite. And that was our entire conversation. The rest of this program is completely unrehearsed and supported by you, the listeners, by going to Dvorak.org slash N-A. And really, please do this because uh, we need to uh, up the ante here. And we've got a special uh, special promotion there. There you go. <laughs> special $1,000 promotion. By the way, it will not disappoint. <laughs> you would you would agree with me, John. It will not disappoint. It's a good story. Yeah. It's your birthday, birthday. It's a one on the list today, but it's an important one. Scott Rebska, Res, Rebs, Res, Rebs, Rebska. This happy birthday to his buddy there, uh, part. And uh, that will conclude our birthday list. Happy birthday from everybody here at the No Agenda Show. It's your birthday, yeah. Maybe we should do a, a separate cooking show. We uh, I think you, cooking shows are generally, I think once in a while, I think it's, it's interesting, but I think it would be generally boring. Hello. A audio, oh, I'll an, put this. I'll tell you. I'm gonna put this audio, recipe for this no. chicken into the next uh, the next newsletter we send out, which could be next week, uh, and that will uh, so that maybe that, encourage people watch, to open the watch newsletter. The, watch the dough come rolling in. <laughs> dough. What if we did? Uh, There's no dough involved. What if we did an audio cooking show? No. Yeah. Well, I, then I might do it without you. Okay, go ahead. I'll just ahead. call you up and say, give me, give me a new one, man. Give me a new one. I mean, I don't mind talking about recipes and cooking once in a while, but I just, uh, I don't know, maybe. We'll think about it. Hey, I found a, a funny a funny miss, misspeak from uh, Cantor. Is, that, is he Congressman Cantor? Yeah, I think so. On Meet the Press last week. <laughs> Listen for it. Joining me now, House Majority Leader, Republican Congressman Eric Cantor of Virginia. Mr. Leader, welcome back to Meet the Press. Dave, it's good to be here. So, big primary on Tuesday. You have not chosen sides here in this Republican nomination fight. Are you prepared to say who you're with this morning? Uh, David, yes, uh, because what I have seen, as you said, a very hard fart primary uh, throughout <laughs> the last uh, couple months. Did you hear it? Yeah, hard what? Hard fart primary. Hard fart. <laughs> yeah, hard fart. A very hard fart primary. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's. I think he nailed it. He's like, you can always get to me. Fart jokes are great. We need more fart jokes. So, so the, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I do have to play the right. You know, Virginia is where Cantor's from, and he has supported uh, um, Romney. Romney, and then of course there was Ron Paul versus Romney in Virginia. And Ron Paul got forty percent of the vote, which was ludicrously high considering all the support that uh, uh, Romney got. It played the it was a really good analysis I heard on one of the shows uh, from one of these independent progressive guys. 
uh, you can play that and get it catches up to the. Well, know. you would have to tell me which one to play because I'm Ron not. Paul almost wins Virginia. Now you sent this twice. That uh, was a mistake. Okay, then uh, I will play only one. 100 votes, uh, Santorum would have won. So if you burrow into these results very far, you realize that Mitt Romney has really not had that good a Super Tuesday. In fact, uh, the most striking result to me was that in Virginia, where he only faced Ron Paul, more than 40% of the people came out and voted for Ron Paul. Ron Paul actually carried a congressional district there. So Romney's still got quite a bit of work ahead of him to close this deal. And as a result, in Virginia, one of the striking things is Ron Paul did fabulously in college towns. Uh, he carried some college towns. He ran very, very competitively in others. And there's a pretty good indication there that he got a, a decent anti-war vote out of Virginia or, or simply just a, a, uh, an anti-political orthodoxy vote. But still, getting to 40 percent there against the guy who is the presumed frontrunner and the guy who had the support of all of the Virginia Republican establishment, including the governor, uh, Congressman Cantor, others. That's striking to me. The other so uh, I'm now back to my uh, earlier uh, assertion, which was in the pre-Red Book, that the Republicans are throwing the election. Because no one wants to have it? I don't think they seriously want the job knowing that there's going to be a uh, economic collapse. And they just assume uh, if, if Obama, the, what would happen if a Republican gets in, you have an economic collapse, they get blamed for it, and then they get ousted, and then the next person to come back would be Hillary. So you think they're playing long game? Yeah. Mm. So I want to lose this thing, but soak, the, the, you know, soak their uh, supporters so they get lots of money so they can always blame them for not giving, giving enough, enough money. Yeah. Yeah. And then they could, you have to you know, make them pay more the next time. Because this thing has become a money game. It's ludicrous because Obama's going to he's gone to the super PACs himself. He's said, you know, everything he said about it is null and void. So he can collect. So he's going to spend a billion at least. And will the the, the um, Republicans will spend uh, you can probably seven, you can... less than that. And then they'll be they'll be scolded for not spending enough money. This is the only way. And the media is going to jump on this, too, because they're, of course, the beneficiaries. But if they win and then they sink the economy, because anyone's there, it's just going to happen. It's a cycle, I believe. And uh, then Hillary has a shot at it. But if they if Obama goes back and he sinks the economy and things are really bad by the by 2016, which they should be. Uh, then uh, Hillary doesn't have a prayer. The, the Republicans will get in. And typically in the seventh year of a downturn, the, like 1937, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a huge spike. So it'll look like uh, people are happy. Yeah, so you have like a, a mini boom. And when is that coming place. exactly, the, the mini spike? Uh, 2017. Oh, okay. I'll wait for that. So regarding the super that's PACs, my thinking on this. I, I made this prediction before, as yeah, you know. Yeah, we'll keep it in there. And I'm leaving it. Because Speaking I don't see. I, well, just to stop for a second and play one more clip. I got this weird Romney clip on the news hour, and that's what re-triggered my thinking. They were There were two uh, uh, analysts talking about some. Just play the Romney clip, and I'll explain it middle-class neighborhood and this one how many times have we all been here with our family seated around the kitchen table there showing he is in photos. the middle the patriarch what they're showing photos of the romney at home of and the it's a very pleasant photo and those yellow tumbler cups mm -hmm. that everybody uses 
so kids don't spill things. And you know, Lauren, where these pictures it's called a sippy cup, you douche. It came from was a blog. It was called the Mormon Mommy Blog, maintained by a daughter-in-law of Mitt Romney. Uh, and so this is how it made it its way onto BuzzFeed. Once this was publicized, the blog was shut down. Uh, why the campaign Well, wouldn't, it was wouldn't... shut down. I mean, it, so once the campaign sees these out, which you're saying make him look pretty good. I at think least, so, uh, yeah. Uh, natural. Um, their reaction was to... I what, guess negative? I guess they felt that this was private. But when you run for president, you know, part of what you're doing is you're you're running your family yeah. as the potential family to live in the uh, in the handsome, White House. His handsome sons. His hands, his five sons. And so um, it's hard for me to understand why it took an offbeat website to put out pictures that this campaign should pay money to have people to look have at because out. it makes Red Romney look like a good guy. It does. Well, it makes him his his big criticism is that he is very stiff, not a hair out of place, very calculated at the debate, not going too high, not going too low. And here, this softens him. But it doesn't seem like the Romney campaign really got that. I mean, it's interesting because in, in running theme in, in what we've just looked at today and other That's things good. we've talked about. What am I listening to? This is this is the news hour. But the point is, is that Romney had a bunch of very pleasant pictures that showed him as a normal person. Yeah. And the campaign went ballistic and they shut down the blog. They did all these crazy things because this is not the, what they're trying to do. They don't want him to win. Huh. They did because this is not the kind of thing. Because oh well, he's a family man. Can't look there good. he is at Can't home. The yeah. shut down the Mormon mommy blog. Shut it down and no more of this. <laughs> We're in control. They Mormon don't want him to blog. win. I don't know if Romney himself knows this is going on because um, I think he's just a stooge. He, he's a robot. He's lurch. Yeah. Well, well he doesn't know there, these photos show that he's not a robot, but they're making him into one. Hmm. I think the whole thing is rigged. I'm telling you, this is this thing oh, has no really? chance. You got a high unemployment rate if you really look at the numbers, and if you look at the shadow stat guy in San Francisco's numbers, where you have 25 percent unemployment, true unemployment. This is the would be the first time a president ever gets reelected with these sorts of unemployment numbers. That's how bad the Republicans. Yeah, want to lose. yeah, but it would not be a crazy uh, or out of character for a president to win reelection when you're in the middle of a war. So that's why we need to have a war around October. I think they're. I you know I will. I'll put this in the book. I'll predict there will not be an October war. There will that, that that idea is going to collapse because Obama's going to win easily, and it'll be well known fact by then. That by October, they're already going to see the writing on the wall, and Obama's going to get elected easily. So, and it's going to be a big, big victory, and the Republicans are going to have to go back to the drawing board. What it looks like, but I think they're throwing it. I think so they're question, throwing question, the election. Question: uh, In order to do this. So they already are shutting down the Mormon mommy bloggers. Do you think that they will go as far as to set up a Romney mega fail, like a like a Dukakis helmet moment or a Howard Dean oh, screen? Hell no. Why not? What could what could it be? You can't take a chance. What could it be? Uh, gay thing? You think a gay thing would work? Mm, gays are hard. The gay thing's hard to pull off. Uh, <laughs> it has to be something idiotic. So I think. I think the. <laughs> I think the. Uh, I what, think what could the be crazy? Come on, what, what do we, you and I have to... Well, if we were going to strategize we're, if we're running the show. stupid, yeah. it always works best if there's a costume involved. That's why the Dukakis thing Zorro, is so Zorro. Rom, <laughs> Romney in a Zorro costume. That would be, that would be my choice. <laughs> what do you think? And now, like, I like the idea, but I think it's going to be... It'll catch us off guard, but when it happens, we will have already predicted it. They're going to have a photo of Romney in some <laughs> in dumb a Zorro, costume. In a Zorro costume. 
it's going to make his, him lose. With his fly well, on or just put, It's icing on the cake because he's losing already. So there's one thing I wanted to mention about Super PACs. You know, we have no agenda here. So uh, we, you and I both like Ron Paul's message very much. Uh, but this Mark Ames blogged something uh, interesting that the Ron. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about Ron Paul and Mitt Romney being buddy, buddy. Uh, by the way, it could be it could be uh, both Mitt Romney and Ron Paul and Zorro outfits. That could that would be a great picture. Um, there's a lot of talk, you know, that maybe Ron Paul would be a VP candidate, etc. So if we're going to sink Ron Paul, I mean, uh, Romney, we might as well take that pesky Ron Paul with us. Right. Because you know, I don't think it's important because Ron Paul's old enough that he's going to be he's already too old to be elected. By the standards that are set by oh, the media, and he's, when he's careful, eighty, which would be the careful, next chance of rerunning, careful. I don't think Ron Paul's important to get out of the way. I think careful. he's out. He's already been marginalized. He's out of the way. He's fourth place. So here's what's interesting: Ron Paul's super PAC, which is called Endorse Liberty, is located in Salt Lake City, Utah. Hmm. More interesting: the super PAC staff and founders include several former Romney supporters, as well as Huntsman supporters. Uh, the founding principles of Endorse Liberty, Lad Christensen, is uh, a bigwig there in Utah, longtime business partner of Huntsman's dad. So I'm just thinking, interesting. I mean, yeah, Huntsman's dad is the super Mormon in the in the whole. He's the Mac Daddy. He's the Mac he's Daddy. The Mac Mormon. Daddy. Yeah, he's actually one of the disciples. So do you think that? Oh, really? Yeah, he's one of the rare disciples. I mean, this is a, 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 a status that you get. You have to be major, major, major league. It's like being a, a, a cardinal in, a the, in the House of Cardinals in the Vatican. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. So anyway, I, I found that to be interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And I saw something, because you mentioned the unemployment numbers. I saw something very interesting happen this morning on CNN with that douchebaggette with the, long, the long-haired brunette. Um so they're talking about the all of a sudden the U6 numbers are coming into play. So they say, oh, well, you know, of course, there's the U6 numbers. And you and I know about the U6 numbers because these are the numbers that show the, the bums, people who have dropped out of the war- workforce. You U6 watch, numbers, the numbers they used to use to tell you what the unemployment rate was. Right. So you watch because here's what they were saying. Well, you can expect the unemployment number to go up because people are so optimistic about the economy, they're coming back into the workforce and they're looking for jobs. That's what the message is going to be. It's going to be outstanding. They're going to say, hey, you know, it's things are going. Yes, it's just now they're going to say, no, 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 you're, you're not reading the numbers right. Because people are coming back. They, they're so excited about the economy and building battery cars that uh, now all of a sudden uh, that's why the unemployment numbers went up. You watch. You put that in the red book. Put that in the red book. That's going to happen. That's going to be the spin. I'll put it in the red book, but I think it's already happened. So I had, uh, there was another uh, C-SPAN extravaganza I was watching. This was really quite outrageous. This was the cybersecurity forum. And we had uh, uh, senators asking ISPs questions about uh, cybersecurity. Squirrel! So the Comcast guy is there, you know, a whole bunch of different guys. But this guy, Amoroso. You know him? Dr. Amoroso. Mm, His name rings the bell, but I keep thinking of the uh, Celebrity Apprentice. (laughs) He he could be on Celebrity Apprentice. This guy is, uh, he's the the cyber, the cyber, 
technical officer or whatever for AT&T. He is such a condescending a-hole. And all he's doing throughout this, and, and, and he talks to the, to the senators, and by the way, they deserve it. They're idiots. He talks to the senators like they're little children, but he's selling the cloud. And the, the whole thing yeah. was like a sales job to sell the government cloud services, and customers have to be on the cloud. Everybody has to be in the cloud. It would be much, much safer if we're all in the cloud. So I want you to hear. Really? How's it much safer? How is it safer? Well, I'm glad you asked because Doris Matsui from California asked exactly that question, John, and prepared to throw up in your mouth. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And um, this is all challenging and frightening at the same time here. I'm so frightened because the cybersecurity is scary. We need the cloud. And I do appreciate all of your testimony. Um, I want to go into another area here. Um, as we look into develop an industry best practices standards for ISPs, should ISPs own cloud services be included as well as other cloud providers? Or do you think because that technology is newer, it could be better for cloud providers to consider forming their own best practices to secure data in the cloud? And like uh, Mr. Mann and uh, Dr. Amoroso to answer that, please. Now, before we go to Dr. Amoroso, she says, like, oh, Dr. Amoroso, like she's having an orgasm. I'd like to go to our real resident expert, Jean-Claude Dvorak, who has been a reporter on uh, technology for two decades. Uh, John, uh, do you think that ISPs should force their customers to have cloud-based services in order to protect the citizens of the United States of Gitmo Nation? God, no. So um, my mother has a PC at home that at this instant, I'm sure, is like attacking China or something. It's probably going, because mm, it's... Mid- this is, can you believe this guy's sitting in the Senate doing He's this? doing sound effects? <laughs> so he's going he's gonna to play it all the way down for the dumb, 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 dumb senator. It's, it's not administered properly. Yeah. And she's got, you know, a big tower with Verizon Fios, the whole thing. <laughs> She doesn't need that. She'd be much better served to have a cloud provider just take care of all of that for her. And she should just be using some, uh, you know, appliance to, sure. to hit the Internet. The reason she doesn't is because there's software on the PC that she wants to be able to use, hasn't been put in the cloud. So in general, that concept is a more secure concept than my mom trying to do administration. So I think cloud in general is a more secure model than the one we have now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. yeah that's good to what? know. That's good to know. And by the way, what if she's even on the cloud, they can still, her machine can still be compromised. But that's good to know. It's good to know. What an idiot. Okay, so here's the real idiot. Senator Susan Collins, in the wrap-up, oh. in the wrap-up, here's her takeaway of the threat of cyber, cyberness to America. Now, I just want to say, you don't need to put the nuclear facilities on the Internet. You don't need to put the trains on the Internet. It's only because some guy, as John has pointed out before, who's lazy, who wants to sit at home scratching his nuts to check in on the network. You don't need to connect it all to the Internet. It can be really secure. So after this whole rigmarole and this a-hole Amoroso, Dr. Amarojo, after he's frightened everybody... Here's the takeaway from Senator Susan Collins. 
It's not government-owned. And that's why you have to have a cybersecurity bill that isn't limited just to government systems or government computers, but protects that critical privately-owned infrastructure on which all of us rely every single day for electricity, for transportation, for clean water, it's absolutely essential to our security. In the year 2010, the estimate is... Uh, how many... Here's an Ask John question. How many cyber attacks were there, John, in the year 2010? I have no idea. I'm sorry, that is not a correct answer, and please answer in the form of a question. I Do I not have an idea? <laughs> Come on, give me a number. I would say, uh, well, I mean, there's, it, there's, it, depending on what you, it's all def, a matter of definition. What's an attack? If you're going to just say, you know, every time somebody pings a server trying to get into some one of the ports, and you contact this attack, you're going to talk about ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million. Uh, if you're going to talk about actual attacks that did some serious damage, I don't know two. So now you are Senator Susan Collins, okay? You've just gotten ugly and you have boobs. And uh, you have been convinced by these a-hole shills to a number. And your number is a million? Is that your top line number? I'd give it a million, yeah. A million. Okay, we will take that number. We're going to write that down on a piece of paper. And let's go for final jeopardy. Estimate is that there were three billion (laughs) cyber attacks on private and government (laughs) computer systems. So every time somebody pinged a firewall, in other Three words. billion cyber attacks. Oh, brother. Three billion. Maybe we should just run for Congress or Senate or something. Wow. We could do better than this. I'm surprised the thing even works at all if there's that much action going on. <laughs> Why don't we just shut it down? Her- Three Stop. billion, I tell you. Three billion. That, I, that's clip of the day. Play it. Play. Play the theme. Really? I, I get. Well, that's very kind of you. I'm uh, happy to hear that. Clip of the day. Clip of the day. Three billion estimated. Yeah, it could be five. <laughs> could be six. It's, it was so disgusting to watch these guys shill out the clouds. And literally, like, hey, you know, you should be doing more business with us. I'm not kidding. They were literally saying that. How come you're not doing all that business with us? should be doing more business with us. It's better. We're smart. I'm Dr. Amoroso. Well, that's, yeah, that's that's depressing. Yeah, it's what it is, I baby. Mean, it's not as though there aren't millions of people out there that know anything. I mean, there's, there can, there's plenty of experts, especially about, you know, the nonsense that they're trying to promote. And they just don't even bring them up to in front of Congress. It's weird. Well, No. The Congress people, I mean, and then there are the people that work in these congressional offices. Are they that dumb? Yes. Yeah, I guess so. And they're on the take. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, it's got to be the lobbyists that put these hearings together. So, um, you know, uh, when we first started the show in 2008, uh, at the time we were talking a lot about the North American Union and the Amero and all of that stuff. And that kind ah, of. Yes, we've all we've lost track of the Amero. Yeah. But there's something that I caught Lucifer Clinton talking about the other day that um, I was like, wow, I think there is a North American Union. If you were a member of a North American Union, what would you need to prove that you're a member? 
that you're a citizen of the North American Union. Uh, a citizen? An ID, a common ID. Yeah, go to travel.state.gov, if you don't mind. Okay. And, uh, okay. You see there's a nice picture of Lucifer. Well, no, I'm not there yet. Okay. I had to open up a browser.state.gov. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a picture of uh, Lucifer. <laughs> not a good picture, by the way. It's like a no, screen. No, no, I'm surprised it's she puts a, up with this. It's a screen capture. I think her facelift has failed. I don't think you could. I don't think that is. I don't think she's had a face. She needs a facelift. No, no, I understand she has. Oh, really? Yeah, and I think you know they only last so long. I think it was seven years, seven eight years ago, and it's collapsed. Yeah, they do only. They do only last. Now, click on the passports tab. Passports. Right, because she's uh, promoting the. Uh, There's actually a little video about you know get your passport. It's cool. You know, get your passport. You were there at passports. Yeah. On the left-hand side, you'll see something called um, Passport Card about halfway yeah. down. Yeah, Passport Card. Passport Card. So My cl- family all has one. I'm, I'm probably going to get one. So what is the Passport Card good for? You can't travel internationally with the Passport Card. No, it's good card. for going to Canada and Mexico, which would be the card you're discar- describing, which is a card to get you. Which is? It's your ID card for the North American Union. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I wanted to hear. Yeah. And I'll tell you something. It is a cool card. You have this? You have the Gitmo no, card? No, my, my daughter has it and, and Mimi has it. Why? Because they go to, we, we in Port Angeles, we, we, it, there's a little boat that takes you right to Canada. Why not just get a proper passport, like an American United States a passport. passport? Back and forth when you just throw this card at him as much, it's just, it's more convenient. So you're but falling under you, the, the trap. The thing is, it's the, not to promote the idea because of what you're thinking. But it is the coolest card. I'd, re- I'd recommend you getting one. A patch is next for you, Johnny boy. I'm telling you, a big yellow <laughs> a little patch. A little thing to wear on my jacket. <laughs> hey, this patch start, is cool. Start with a pin. You'll be like, these pins are dynamite. They're so yeah, beautiful. It's got the three flags. They're just beautiful to right look at. Lapel. <laughs> this is the beginning, my friend. It is totally the beginning. Uh, <laughs> just, that just slayed me. Oh, we can cross off one of the, uh, the, the red book, uh, the red prediction book. Uh, I said it would happen. Uh, I, I don't know if I ever specified it would happen in America. I probably did. So you can put like a, a pencil line through it. I've always said that one day reality television will take us to actual death row executions. And lo and behold, in China, uh, we have the execution factor where there's a reality show. They haven't done it right yet. They need to hire the Curry DeVry Consulting uh, Company, uh, where Miss Ding, the national celebrity host, interviews uh, inmates on death row just before they're offed. And I think... show them getting killed? No, no, no. It's getting there. Uh, You got to do that. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I see. I think... You need to do it like we want to do it, where you keep going to cliffhanger shots of the phone on the wall. You know, it's like, and then the phone will ring. And then, ooh, ooh, and we'll cut the commercial. We come back, and then you see the, the, the warden picks up the phone. It's like, no, pepperoni, man. I said pepperoni. Yeah, and we can drag that out for a good 22 minutes. Yeah, well, we- you have to use it as the teaser to end the show, too. I mean, you can't have an execution a show. You have to have one execution per show. Well, what? No, you don't. I don't at think least, so. At least one. 
I think you can drag out the execution part. So you're saying, dra- no, no, no. The, by no, the way, you keep dra- you no, just, you, no, you have to have at least no, one no, execution no, no, per show. You have show. to drag it out because if because otherwise it's like any other you know TV drama where you know that yeah, well this I'm guy's sorry. put himself in jeopardy. You know he's not going to get killed because it would ruin the show. I, I, if you know the guy's going to get killed, no, no, hold on, he, hold on. You have to understand that the uh, on our show the guy always gets killed, but how? Is it the electric chair where his eyes bulge out? Or is it lethal injection? And we can have a wild card strangulation. Uh, how about a shiv in the, in the, in the yard? <laughs> yeah, that's our wild card. Oh, we're so. Oh, oh, we have to go to the next contestant because this one got shivved <laughs> with a sharpened toothbrush handle. <laughs> Uh, I'd love to produce that. And may I point out that I know what I'm talking about. Have you seen the ratings for Smash? Hello, top of the list. Top of the list, Smash. Monday night's NBC lineup. This show is terrible. Mm-hmm. Of course it's terrible, but I told you it would do well because they brought, in all, they brought all the gay back. It was perfect. They had dancing. They had intrigue. They had, you know, now the girls are cat fighting. And the gay guys had sex on the show. And then they both said that it was the worst sex they'd ever had. I'm telling you, the show is awesome. These people know what they're doing. We're so you're thinking that. the more gay they go, the more the show's Ratings. Do- Hello. Lesbians ratings, gay ratings. It always works. I find the show tiresome. Yeah, well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying from a television executive perspective. Uh, John and Adam uh, says blue. Sunday night I was flying into Baltimore about 10.45 p.m. on United, listening to the Aircraft Porn Channel, which we all know is Channel 9. That's uh, from the flight deck. On the frequency for Potomac Approach, which does most of the Baltimore, D.C. area at a time on Sunday night, coincidentally, on that flight, I was listening to episodes 381 to 382, really digging the pipeline stuff. But I hear traffic, so there's like the air traffic controllers, for an LL flight which caught me as out of place. Following is a rough transcript. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. This is LL. Potomac, this is LL033. Can you confirm your destination after Baltimore? Potomac. LL033, I have Andrews. Roger. Thank you. You have a good night. LL033. So this, of course, was BB Netanyahu. And his flight number is 33. Wow. I mean, is that awesome or what? That's fantastic. We've been following this now for two or three years, and we still have no idea. <laughs> no idea what it means. <laughs> what it means. But it means something. Yeah. It should be being used. That's the magic number. No it's the magic number. We don't know what it means, but we love it. And we know something's afoot when it yeah. happens. Yeah, it's not washing up on shore anytime soon. You know, someone uh, sent me a link about the foots, and they said that's because people commit suicide off of the bridge. Nah. You're not buying that? No, some, you just, I thought the one where the dolphin rape. <laughs> that's my favorite answer, too. That was the best answer. Yeah, I, I think that's my favorite. Uh, let me see as we wrap it up here. Uh, it appears. Oh, well, that- well, before we wrap, go too far afield, let me do the one last kind of funny clip I have. Because oh, our friend Aaron Burnett. Oh, can I say something about Aaron? Yes. So I tried to sit through Super Tuesday, and 
I would fire every single person who was involved in that show from the production standpoint. The panel was boring. Oh, you were talking about CNN? Oh, the panel was boring. It was terrible. Aaron's lighting was so bad. I think they're trying to ruin her. Someone, I mean, I actually thought the same thing. Someone is trying to ruin her career. They had a profile shot, and she had her mic pack on her back, so she looked like Quasimodo, and, and her butt looked unflattering in, um, in that particular shot, in that outfit. But the lighting, it just, it was so bad. Why are they trying to hurt Aaron Burnett? It's Burnett, by the way, is how we pronounce it here at Tejas. Burnett. And it's just, it, it, it was so boring. They didn't have her on enough. And she's the only one who was pretty. And they got the, the Ari Fleischer. Ugh. You got Anderson Pooper. Ugh. And then Wolf Blitzer. I mean, put Ryan Seacrest in there. Wolf Blitzer is, is a douche. And he's like <laughs> just rattling numbers like. Like, you, I mean, you've got. Ooh, that's a good sound effect you did there because you get that one and put it at the beginning of the show. You've got all the elements yeah, no, you it's need. Bad. It's so stupid. I'm watching her show, yeah. and she, you know, at the end of every show, this is one of the things, by the way, that when I was, even when I was doing Silicon Spin, and there was a guy that ended up going back to CNN, but. I don't know if you do a lot of any sort of cable or anything else and you're doing some sort of a um, anything pretty much. And in fact, I'm surprised that luckily we have no suits telling us what to do. They want you to do an editorial at the end. Yeah, this is like the ridiculous and this is her. Uh, what, what does she call it? I don't know. Aaron's an, it, I call it Aaron is nuts, but <laughs> she, Aaron's uh, an idiot. she's forced to do these dumb editorials and she and it's such a stretch for her because this is not anything she can naturally do. And obviously she's having trouble. She took a phrase from Santorum about that's the straw that broke the camel's back. And oh, she made I saw this. Whole, oh, my God. I saw this. How stupid was this? This was the stupidest thing I've ever heard. She made a whole editorial about camels in history and how this was. <laughs> he brought back the camel meme. And, no, he didn't. He he went there. He brought back the camels. I can't believe he went there. Let's play the clip. I can't. I, I, it's killing me now. It's bad. Last night I was at the CNN Election Center for Super Tuesday, and I jolted awake when I heard Rick Santorum. Because you were sleeping on the set. Yeah, jolted awake. Yes. I've said it almost every stump speech I've given. If it wasn't for one particular issue that to me breaks the camels back with respect to liberty in this country. And that is the issue of Obamacare. Camel? I'm sorry, he was using a popular expression. Broke the camel's back to illustrate his frustration with President Obama's policies. But could the use of camel have been an attempt to seem more presidential? Because you may not realize this, but there is a proud tradition of members of the U.S. administration hanging with camels all over the world. Last year, oh, Vice God. President Joe Biden got up close and personal with some camels in Mongolia. Woo! In 2009, President Obama met some camels while visiting Egypt. First Lady Jackie Kennedy rode a camel in Pakistan in 1962. In 1909, Teddy Roosevelt, see that? Riding camels in the Sudan. In 1897, this is my favorite, a 23-year-old Herbert Hoover went to work for a mining company in Australia. While he was there, he went back and forth to work every day. He commuted by camel. Woo! And it goes even further than that. No. In 1787... 
George Washington, a huge fan of exotic animals, paid 18 shillings to have a camel brought to his house for Christmas. I mean, Ron Paul, I mean, that's probably got to be like... 18 billion dollars in today's dollars right <laughs> well look we've been a two-party country for a long time you know anyway that's what she, so I, I didn't get the end of the very end of the clip she suggests the camel party here's how i would have wrapped up that editorial now if we, we were in a meeting like okay Aaron, is this really the best you can do okay we'll run with it but you have to wrap it up like this so, President Eisenhower, you rented a camel to get to him from work. I'm Aaron Burnett. I'm off to adjust my camel toe. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> then I would have had some respect. I don't know. So, anyway, I could not believe it. They're, they're going to get rid of her. Yeah, oh, no She's, kidding. No kidding. She is done. It was the, that, it was the camel thing that did it. <laughs> God. That, it was it was just plain stupid. Why are we talking about this? Anyway. Ah, anyway. Well, because we were at one time both fans of Aaron Burnett. I mean. Yeah, we were. Well, that, that was. That those was then, were the days. But I think they've screwed her. I think, And I think I didn't know what you were talking about. But now that you mention it, that's just all part of the scheme. It's just the way it works. They'll have a meeting after they get rid of her. And say, well, you know, she was never any good. I don't know why and she, we hired and she, her. And, and what was that camel thing? That's yeah, a, the camel thing will yeah. be brought up in the meeting. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because seriously, because I didn't, I was, I had it on while I was cooking, and all I could think was camel toe. I swear to God, I'm not kidding. That's that's what it triggered with me. Yeah, well, that's that makes sense now that you mention it. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> trigger with you. <laughs> yeah, because that's who I am. <clears throat> okay, uh, let me just uh, do a quick scan here. Uh, yeah, the only last thing. Is uh, I I saw on PBS NewsHour Rayla Hood's kid. Oh, I, by the way, before you close, I do have one last thing too. Go okay. on. Rayla Hood's kid was one of these uh, shills, the techno experts there at um, uh, in Egypt at the NGOs who you know weren't being let out of the country and you know, oh, oh this horrible thing. So of course we all know that the uh, the the IRI the the DNE all of these so called NGOs are all CIA efforts to um, essentially uh, help train techno-experts to overthrow uh, dictators and, and influence elections, although they right, say yeah. they're there to, uh, to help elections. So it's bull crap. And particularly when you're Ray LaHood's kid. I mean, come on. Yeah, what's this all about? Really? So here's how it went down, underreported, I think. So they were negotiating, right? They were trying to get these kids back. And the minute they were released, what happens? But the United States declared it backs the International Monetary Fund's efforts to aid Egypt. This was a huge money deal. Yeah. So these a-holes there, they, they held these kids, shills or not, said, hey, you get us some dough from the IMF. Here's what I tell you. Shall I tell you what's going to happen next? I bet no. you... I get you they're going to pop one of these guys like uh, McGrahi. They're going to pop like uh, Omar Rahman or one of these guys out of jail here. They're, going to, they're really going to start doing it. They're going, to start, they're going to start popping people, grabbing them in Egypt, and they won't let them go until we let one of these uh, like uh, Sheikh uh, Omar, uh, Omar Abdul Rahman. This, this guy is the next one. They'll let him out on, you know, like, you know, humanitarian reasons or whatever. There's a lot of negotiating going on in the background because Egypt is out of control. 
out of control. So they got $3 billion from the IMF in return for uh, Ray LaHood's kid. That's what he's worth. Put it in the red book. Okay, it's in the book. So the most important story, I, I've kind of saved it for last. For Is people that good like enough for you, MS Small Biz? Is that enough news for you? Do we do enough analysis? You chat room shill? So a and they pushed it to page 14. I think it's the, actually one of the more important stories in the New York Times. And uh, I think it's going to have ramifications in the Republican Party. Pat Robertson says marijuana should be legal. Hmm. Pat Robertson, the 700 Club guy, he says the war on drugs is a failure. It's a joke. Quote, I really believe we should treat marijuana the way we treat beverage alcohol. So I've never used marijuana. I don't intend to, but it's just one of those things I think. This war on drugs just hasn't succeeded. So there you have it, folks. What does that the mean? most conservative religious leader chill in the United States says, let's do it, along with, you know, Ron Paul. Now you have, uh, it's, it, it's can't, it, this can't continue. What can't continue? The war on this, drugs? This war on drugs has got to end. About time. Anyway, that's, gotta, uh, but got, they buried it, but it was still top of the fold. So it's, huh. but it was on page 14. It should have at least been teased on page one. And I don't think it was. And uh, I will uh, make a minor note that uh, both Germany and Switzerland have members of parliament requesting to see the gold held at the Federal Reserve in New York come back <laughs> to their countries. They've been trying to do this for a while. <laughs> Well, it could start a... Get the tungsten out. Just plate it. We don't care. That, that's, that's what I want. I want them to test it. Drill a hole no, in that sucker. They'll, they'll show up, but they won't test it. Just be plated, gold-plated tungsten. <laughs> yeah, here it is. We got your gold right here. It's all good. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Look over. Look at the camel toe. Don't look at the gold. Are you kidding me? Uh, well, John, as always, it is uh, quite a pleasure to uh, catch up with you on a bi-weekly basis. Uh, I wish we could uh, have done a little bit better today. And if you would like to support the show, uh, then uh, please consider us in your dreams, Dvorak.org slash NA. And uh, who knows, maybe one day you will find the Cooking with Crackpot pot and Baking with Buzzkill episode. I think we would do great. It's Cooking with Crackpot, Baking with Buzzkill. Yeah, we throw in some, like, UFO stuff in the middle of all that. I got this recipe from an alien. <laughs> a gray. It's my gray souffle, I tell you. Let me see. Uh, we have anything coming up? Uh, I don't know if we have a No Agenda producer update. Otherwise, uh, always make sure to check out the stream, noagendastream.com. Lee Brown in the morning. All kinds of groovy shows always rolling on that, as well as uh, repeats of this program. Coming to you from... Underneath the desk, because I'm ducking for the solar storms coming here to wipe out the internets in Camp Mofo, the Drone Star State. In the morning, everybody, my name's Adam Curry. I think it'd be fun to see the uh, the solar flares take out the cloud. Now, there would be irony. Uh, anyway, from northern Silicon Valley, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back again on Sunday, right here on No Agenda. Dvorak.org slash N-A